When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another installment of down the pub uh, right today we decided to go sporty um because there is no sport it's got to the point where people are actually watching that 99 year old man go around his garden and commentating on it like it's a sporting event um which is quite amusing but well done captain tom you are just fucking awesome basically what's he up to now about 15 million pounds anyway we're going to play historical fantasy football tonight um god help me um, right, okay, so Alina is here. Alina has made someone else do her team and it's terrible, but we'll get to her Help later. Me. You all right? Help me. Help me. No, Anyone? Shut, up. <laughs> shut up now. <laughs> okay, we have. So, you know, when you go to the pub and there's that random bloke that's like having a pint and then he comes and sits with you and that's it. Every time you go to the pub from then on, he ends up sitting with you and your mates and you don't really know who he is. It's James, everybody. <laughs> you're right james ouch yeah i'm all right <laughs> no but we it's love you it's that random like adopted kicked puppy that you all love to hang out with in the end because it wouldn't be the same without him james uh tell us who you support before we get started uh i'm a villa fan grew up supporting them from a little kid it was no other choice really it was a family team so so you were cursed from the beginning basically <laughs> no <laughs> Oh. I don't know, we, we've been to Wembley a, a lot of times in the past decade, so that's something. Right, okay, Ben, speak, oh, let's get bitchy. Anyway, Ben, you are a dirty red scouser, aren't you? This is Ben from the Football yeah. History Boys. Hello. He's grinning like, yep, and I'm proud, yeah, yeah. and I love it. <laughs> Liverpool since you were a kid? Yeah, dad's, uh, dad's from Liverpool, so that's why I support him as well. Oh dear. All right, well, let's move on to your, your better half then, Gareth of the Football History Boys. Gareth, who do you support? Cardiff City. Good, good. Some Welsh representation. Always scares the shit out of Alina when we have Welsh accents on the show as well. We have with us uh, my big Indian hunk of man love, Aaron Paul, uh, radio, bod, and football commentator. This wouldn't be a football history show with proper representation if we have, didn't have an Asian from the South who supported Man United. Aaron, my man, how are you doing in lockdown? Um, I'm all right. That's the first time someone's ever sort of introduced me as that. Usually I get sort of like, you know, five lives Aaron Paul you know, the right honourable Aaron Paul, but, but but nothing like that before. But I'll take it from you. I'll take it from you. Yes, I'm a, I'm a Manchester United fan. You also, don't you have a massive soft spot for Rochdale because they gave you free tracksuit bottoms when you went up there to cover a game or something rubbish like that? 
Rochdale, Rochdale, Rochdale did. I, you know, you get free. There's free perks here and there. Rochdale, you get a good sausage at Lincoln. You know, you get some biscuits at Wimbledon. You just got to look at who's giving you what, really. I mean, it's you basically just haul yourself out. Excellent. And who gives out the best stuff then? <sighs> Fulham. Fulham. Oh, every you've said time. that before, haven't you? Every they single give you time. I used to get so much shit for it. <laughs> all the time, all the time, literally just free gear at the end of the season. It's brilliant. It's actually really good. I have been very irreverent. Aaron is actually uh, he, he is a football commentator. He does work for Five Live. He works for BBC. He's currently bored off his tits watching reruns of Only Fools and Horses. Um, he is my Only Fools and Horses soulmate. We just quote right. it at each other all the time. Um, but hopefully you'll have some work to do again soon, even if it is just commentating on the old man going around his garden. Uh, we also have with us Chris. Uh, Chris, you're a blogger as well, aren't you? Tell everyone about your blog and who you support. Yes, so I am a uh, long-suffering Arsenal fan. I write a daily blog about Arsenal, Suburban Gooners. Um, have been on the Arsenal fan show on Love Sport. And yeah, uh, I've got to say, I know we're all stuck at home, but this is the best possible season that Arsenal could have their worst season in like a <laughs> Yeah, years. I know, I was going to say that when and you also, dialed in. <laughs> absolutely delightful that Liverpool are basically going to get caned by fan bases everywhere that are just going to say, ah, oh, you're only one three quarters of a trophy. Yeah, so <laughs> absolutely. Oh, Ben's shaking his head already. No, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's like, because it would be funny if they tanked at Christmas and didn't win the league, but to have literally one paw on the trophy and then for, for something, an act of God to stop you from getting it like within the next week, is, I suppose if you had to look for a silver lining in this nightmare, uh, for the rest of us there is that, but mm. they will, they'll get it, <laughs> won't they? But... No, to, to add to that though, yeah. it is quite funny, because they could completely void the season, because I think it's Arsenal and Villa haven't played the minimum amount of games, if I remember rightly, so you can blame Arsenal for that as well. I think there. Chris will take it, won't you Chris? Yeah, absolute sabotage. Where were love, you in the, the league? City as well. Were uh, you in ninth? the top half? Oh, you were in the top <laughs> half? Yeah, just about. I was just going to say. So uh, I'm loving the Man City as well. I've got the hump with Arsenal because apparently, um, you know, you've got the whole situation of them thinking that we're sabotaging it because we, for some reason, feel like we're actually going to get fifth in what they, in what life they're actually living in. I don't know because that's not going to happen. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, and are you, we have. So I'm going to judge today because. Frankly, I've spent too much of this week running round after people who are in Band of Brothers and Hornblower and Sharp, and I haven't done a team. So I'm going to chair this. So our usual judges, the not-so-honourable Andrew Holmes is here with his team. Evening. Evening. You are a Chelsea fan, but tell everyone about your brief flirtation with Derby County. I did. I mean, I, I grew up near Burton on Trent, and my dad um, told me how to support my local team. Um, but my babysitter, who was quite cool... Um, in 1978, said, don't support Derby, they're shit, support Chelsea, and I'll give you all these um, posters and stuff from Shoot and Match. And then the next week he came around and gave me loads of photos of people like Kenny Swain and uh, Peter Bonetti and things like that. And I was hooked. And we have Johnny with us. Johnny, you're, of course, a Chelsea fan as well. Aye, absolutely. Where does that come from? Because you were born up north as well, weren't you? I was born in Liverpool, oddly enough. <gasps> I didn't, didn't, spend, um, didn't spend it long enough there. My father would have killed me if I'd have supported them. So, um, no, uh, it came, I, we moved to um, Wandsworth in the mid-90s um, and started going from there. There's no, uh, there's no childhood connection because there's no childhood interest or there was no uh, family interest in football in any way, shape or form. Um, 
so yeah, no, no, it came from there. So call it what you like, but it's 25 years or whatever. Excellent. All mostly, right. mostly good. Brilliant. So um, let's get started then. So what I did was I sent uh, a load of rules out and um, so that we, we would get a good them. spread. Yeah, most of you have ignored them. No, actually, do you know how he hasn't ignored them? And I'm going to start with him for this very reason. Is Gareth, who has something like uh, three pages of type notes with pictures added, <laughs> squad numbers, um, and the work's going on there. So lockdown in Wales appears to be... It is the Easter holidays, to be fair, and you are a teacher, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I've done, I've done loads. I'll screen share it afterwards. I don't know if you know all that, but I've got a PowerPoint with my team on. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. <laughs> And sad. All right, you start. So the rules were, okay, um, that we were going to take players from different decades and you've all been beavering away, apart from Alina, who conned someone else into doing it for her. Um, you've all been beavering away thinking of your teams. So the, the rules were the keeper had to be from the 70s. So who did you go for, Gareth? I've gone for the German keeper, Set Meyer. Uh, three Bundesligas in the 70s, three European Cups, we went three in a row, a World Cup and a Euros. Um, a one club man, I love a one club man. Uh, and just looking around, you know, he was the best keeper in the decade, so I've gone for Set Meyer, the German. Who did he play for his whole career? Bayern Munich. Ah. Did anyone else go for him? Yes. yes. Oh, all I right. I did as well. Um, <laughs> he's called, here's something for you, he was called the Cat from Anzing. Loved it. That's, that's one of the main reasons why I went for him. He's called the Cat from Anzing. And um, a really, really funny story about him, which I found about. So um, this is from Wikipedia. He's remembered for an incident where he became bored during a match at the Olympics, Olympia Stadium as the opposing side had yet to threaten his goal. A duck wandered onto the pitch and Maya attempted to catch it. <laughs> random. Absolutely random. And I thought for that randomness, you're getting in my team. Although, I'm going to say this. Uh, who else went for him, sorry? I did, originally. Go on, James. Any other tidbits to throw in about him, or have they covered it? Uh, they've pretty much covered it, to be fair. Um, he also he, he managed teams as well. He did manage Germany and Bayern Munich as the goalkeeping coaches for quite a while. And I was actually going to, when I was going to announce him, I was actually going to say... Die Katz von Anzig and see if people would guess, especially the football history boys. But oh well, <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee it's I on Gareth's notes. Boy, yeah, <laughs> you stole his thunder. <laughs> I'm just gonna say though, as a Chelsea fan, and because this gentleman passed away last week as well, um, if he is he got that nickname, if he is the cat from somewhere else, then surely they're taking that nickname from someone greater, and that is Peter Benetti. Did anyone go for him? Um, yeah, I, it was it was sort of purely driven by um, by circumstance, really, because um, he passed away last week. But um, I, his record is, um, is is pretty exceptional. Um, he was, uh, you know, seven hundred twenty nine appearances for Chelsea over nineteen years. That's our, our second greatest behind Ron Harris. Um, Stats wise, it's, it's pretty impressive. He had over 200 clean sheets in, in those appearances, and he conceded one goal or less in two thirds of his Chelsea games, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, won the FA Cup, won the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, he eventually got his World Cup Winners' Medal for being in the squad in about 2009, I think. Um, but he just seemed like kind of an all round, quite forward looking guy. Aaron, have you gone for one of those or have you gone for one of the others? No, I've gone uh, for someone else. I was going to go for Harry Cripps at Millwall, but uh, I, I didn't because he hadn't. 
his best sort of spell with the Lions between 64 and 67. So I've gone for Peter Shelton, who's sort of England's version of Romario, you know, always looking to head over like a thousand games and stuff. And despite, you know, him being absolutely magnificent for Brian Clough, people don't know that, you know, he struggled with things like gambling, with women, with drinking, um, with like addictions. Um, but he managed to rebuild his career and ended up um, finishing on a thousand and five games at the age of 47, uh, where he was transferred to Leighton Orient in a part exchange deal for Les Seeley. Very random, proper random, but I think we're sure we'll get to me. <laughs> oh, a good choice. Uh, ben, have you gone for someone different? Yeah, I've gone for Dino Zoff, uh, the Italian goalkeeper. Uh, uh, runner-up in the World Cup 1970, he won four Serie A's during the decade. Came second place in the Ballon d'Or as well in 1973. So um, I think uh, Italian fans all uh, revere him as one of the, their greatest ever. So, uh, yeah, easy choice to make. Dino's off. Oh, who's got Holmes, you haven't spoken yet. Who have you got? I've got the same as Johnny. I went for Peter Benetti, basically, awesome. because he's probably... The- Probably only the credible, the only credible Chelsea candidate for the back five, based on the criteria received. But, um, <laughs> but Johnny, Johnny's giving you the stats and everything, which I don't need to go over again. But um, the one thing that I could add is that it came out of the weekend after his untimely death that um, apparently Pelle once said he was in the, the top three keepers that Pelle ever faced, alongside Gordon Banks and Lev Yashin. Ooh, I didn't know that. That's good. Um, all right, God help us, Alina. Yes. Who's your goalkeeper? <laughs> goalkeeper or manager? Goalkeeper. Oh, not the same thing, Alina. With, I you... was going to start with manager and I Googled it and I was ready with my whole speech and everything. now you ruined it. I, I don't have... know who this person is, but Pat Jennings. Oh, yeah. Why have you gone for Pat Jennings? I've gone for Pat Jennings because Pat Jennings is a very awesome person. <laughs> <laughs> He do you know is, what? Actually. I've met do, him as well. He's do you lovely. know who will know something about Pat Jennings? Gareth or Ben, football history boys, can you fill her in? Or, or Chris, can you fill her in on who Pat Jennings is? Pat Jennings was a Tottenham um, and up Tottenham legend, then also joined Arsenal, Irish um, goalkeeper, who has the world's biggest hands. I'm not joking you. They are like absolute effing sausages, like five sausages <laughs> on top of like a plate of meat. It's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel insignificant and unmanly when you shook his hand? Completely, completely. <laughs> He's got Lego hair as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at his photo now. He's got massive hands, hasn't he? Proper Lego hair. <laughs> <laughs> right, you've given me much to ponder. Now, the rules for the defenders whether they had to be from the 80s. And as Holmes and Dyer have been complaining, that means that you're pretty much beholden to including Arsenal and uh, Liverpool players in your team because that was the best of what was around. So let's go to those two sets of fans first. Uh, Ben, who have you got in your back line? Um, So right back, I've got Phil Neal, so uh, Liverpool player straight away. Um, He was pivotal in their European Cup wins. He was uh, ever-present in all their league games. He played uh, a lot of games consecutively as well. Alongside him, I've got Daniel Passarella, who is the uh, Argentine captain, scored, uh, I think, over 100 goals in his career. So for a centre-back, it's quite quite incredible, really. I think he averaged one in every four games. Um, Franco Baresi then, as well, in centre-back with him. Uh, Milan legend, um, just incredible centre-back. He's usually uh, 
heralded as their as their greatest defender ever. Um, and a left back, I've gone for uh, Claudio uh, Gentile, who was the Italian um, left back, who was uh, a real hard man who uh, used to kick kick the lumps out of the opposition, but was also a fantastic player and won the World Cup in '82. Excellent. So you went quite cosmopolitan with yours, Chris. Have you gone for the Gooners? Um, well, no, actually. Uh, oh, only really? One. Yeah. Go on, then. So, Who did you go so, for? So I was trying to think about iconic global right backs, and this could probably be a podcast in itself because I, I actually wrote a piece about this last week with relation to Arsenal. But actually, in general, I can't mm. think of many proper iconic right backs that existed in the eighties. Um, so I just went for, well, I did go for one Arsenal, that's Lee Dixon, just because he's the only decent right back that I could think of. And I'm not going for Phil Neal for a million years. And <laughs> years. Um, Lee Dixon, uh, and my favourite things about Lee Dixon, I used to have a, a video called 92 for 92, which admittedly isn't this era, but um, it's one of my favourite quotes from David C, from Lee Dixon, because uh, Arsenal played Coventry, uh, he picked the ball up on the right-hand side, miles away from goal, and decided to not look at Dave Seaman and just lob it over him to get an own goal. And after the game on that video, he just said in his most northern accent, which I'm not going to attempt to uh, obliter- obliterate, he just said in a generic northern accent, it was a warm day, Someone was in my eyes, and Dave Seaman was off his line. That's that. And I just thought, you absolutely <laughs> Yeah, that's basically just, just like rushed off a complete um, joke of a goal. That you that's like play. I've made a complete tit of myself, and I've just got to own it. You could yeah. do a podcast on uh, David Seaman getting lobbed as well. That'd be a long there. Do you know what, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to say yes to all of these because they'll make a leader cry. Um, <laughs> one more thing as well. So, on Lee Dixon. One more thing about Lee Dixon. Um, I don't know if you, you you might know this from last season. Lee Dixon commentates on American TV quite often. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, he had to make a public apology after a Chelsea game because he made a he made a statement about Sarri saying, "Oh, I think he's going to need a fag." And apparently, yeah. <laughs> all the Americans went crazy because <laughs> that means a very different thing. And he had to make a public apology on American TV. Oh, so for that reason, back. he's currently winning at the moment. <laughs> Who else is in your back line? Right, so iconic left-backs, I've sort of semi-cheated because I went for Paolo Maldini because he made his debut in 1988 and he was part of that iconic um, Immortals team uh, of AC Milan, which included Frank Rijkaard, Rude Hullet, Marco Van Basten, Donadoni, Ancelotti. So that team was awesome and that was about the age when I was starting to realise that there was football outside of the UK and Milan became my sort of Italian team, if you like. And particularly when you get into the 90s, you know, the championship manager era. So I've gone for Paolo Maldini at left back and I'll take it. Uh, I've also gone for Baresi at, uh, at centre half as well. Again, another Milan legend. Um, and also I played a lot of championship manager in the 90s. And even though he was like in his 40s, he was brilliant. I loved him. I'd always bring him on for like two minutes at the end. <laughs> Zero hours and three European Cups. Can't say more than that. No. And the final one I've got is Ronald, master of shithousery, Koeman. Because um, <laughs> he had an absolute belter of a finish off, off of him. Um, and he also comes he come up with a lovely uh, phrase. I think this was when he was at Southampton, when he was asked um, on live TV, you know, how he was feeling and has he, has he ever felt any low in, it, in any time of his life? And he, was just, he just responded by saying, everything is shit because we lost. And that can be applied <laughs> to any football game in which your team, that is universally applicable throughout the ages, I think. That's almost on a level with a, a Zlatan quote as well, isn't it? Yeah. 
Well, yeah, do you know what? Because Alina doesn't know what we're talking about, right at the very end, if you want to get on your phones, uh, pick your favourite Zlatan quote for the end of this show and we'll explain to Alina why Zlatan is the master of the shithouse quote in football. Um, I'm liking Beresi at the moment uh, and I, I'm liking that Lee Dixon <laughs> made a complete arse of himself on telly, but I don't think that's supposed to be the criteria. Uh, Aaron, let's go to you. Who have yes. you got? Okay, so I've changed it up. I've gone for a back three, and it's not going to be your typical back three because, I mean, the only reason I did it was because, you know, I wanted to cram more in midfield and attack. But I've gone for what I call a hybrid back three, a a team that would represent me well in a fight as well as on on the football field. You know, I want want three nutters, three people who who would kick the shit out of each other if they had to, but would back each other up as well. Um, So I've started with Kenny Burns, um, sort of Brian Clough's henchman, um, utility man. He was also that rare breed of centre-half who also became a striker. Think Dion Dublin, Gary Doherty, you know, I just don't know how they did it. That He was the kind of man, you know, you'd stick up there in the 87th hoping he'd get his massive head, and he's got a massive canister just like on a ball and, and stick it in the back of the net. He also has a fabulous moustache now, and, and I've met him, and he's, he's just the loveliest man. Like, you, you wouldn't met, meet a nicer man than Kenny Burns, but trust me, he'd kick the shit out of you if you had to. Um, <laughs> next to him, I'm going to go from one Kenny to another. I'm going to go to Kenny Sanson because I think he was absolutely fantastic. He was just a, a brilliant footballer. Of course, um, signed for Arsenal as part of the Clive Allen deal, which is, which is pretty hilarious. Um, but you know, Kenny Sampson, it's just, it's just a shame sort of, you know, how live has taken its toll on him. Very, very sad indeed. And, and at the heart of that defense, um, it's everybody's favorite pub landlord from Newcastle. It's Steve Bruce, Mr. Potato Head himself. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, he you know, actually is just morphing into like, a potato, isn't he? I mean, the thing about Steve Bruce is if you actually listen to him speak in press conferences, he sounds like a pub landlord just trying to calm, trying to calm things down. Like, I'll rate there, like, just keep it down, like, you know. He, just, he, just, <laughs> he, he sounds like he's just trying to calm things down. But my earliest recollections of, of watching United as like a five-year-old, was, you know, watching videos of him, he, he had this thing called the captain's log he used to do every year where he'd like take like a massive, you know, sort of like USSR style video camera around his house and like showing, you'd see like little Alice, Alex Bruce, you know, like just doing kick-ups in the tunnel with, uh, with, 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 with Peter Schmuggs boy, Paul Lynch's boy, you know, and I think he was just, he was just an absolute worry. And one of the outstanding sort of thoughts of Steve Bruce is when Manchester United lift the inaugural Premier League title, you see him just going to lift the title with Steve uh, with, with, Brian, with Brian Robson, and you realize he realizes he's actually hit the camera. So if you watch them when they lift the title, he lifts the trophy, hits the camera, apologizes. Everyone else is like way around him, and he's like apologizing to the cameraman. Yeah, sorry, mate, sorry. And then he lifts the trophy, you know. But um, yeah, they, they are my back three, the proper shithousery back three: Kenny Burns, Steve Bruce, Kenny Sands. Right. Uh, let's let's go let's go on to Gareth because I know he's probably looking at his. Um his many many pages of notes right now going none of you know anything gareth who have you gone for at the back i've gone so i've gone a back five uh, well three at the back and then two wing backs but my wing backs like a wing back straddles uh, right back and right midfield they sort of straddle the 80s and the 90s so i thought that's how i'd get around it um, so my back three <laughs> uh, back three claudio gentile um, he was a hard man as, as ben said uh, like he roughed at Maradona at the 82 World Cup, so 86 World Cup, and then Maradona was kicking off, man. He said, "Oh, football's not for ballerinas." Love that, another hard man. 
Um, then I've got Allenton on the other side of the back three, six league titles in the 80s, two European Cups, um, very, very good 80s, and, you know, got a Scottish man in there. Uh, and then I've also gone for uh, Gaetano Schiera, who is the Italian uh, libero. So he's the guy who played alongside Gentile. He's sort of the soft one too. Um, and he was incredible as well. He's the, he's the libero that steps up into the midfield for me. So he was a star with Juventus in the in the 80s. Uh, and tragically, he's, he's killed at 36 in a car accident. Actually, he probably would have gone on to do greater things because he wasn't yet retired. Um, but yeah, I've gone for that. And then my, my wing-backs... Uh, Maldini, I've gone to the left, same reasons as Orvin said. He, he started in the 80s and then sort of comes into his own in the 90s. And on the other side, I've gone for a, a, a guy, German, called uh, Stefan Reuter. He uh, was a right back, but also a right midfielder. So he's that perfect sort of wing back. He was known as Turbo. He did 100 metres in 11 seconds as well. So that's what you want from your wing back. Um, he loved an assist. And so he played for, he was Dortmund and Bayern Munich, really. So I've gone, uh, yeah, uh, Reuter and Maldini on the wooden backs and then Gentile, Era and Hansen then. I love, do you know what? I love, I love it when people say, um, oh, he does the 100 in 11 seconds as an argument that this is a decent footballer. Because if, if you've <laughs> ever seen Solomon Kalou do the wing in 11 seconds and then get to the end and look utterly baffled about what he's supposed to do with the football, that if he true. hasn't left that it behind. And yeah. also... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love Theo Walcott. I mean, mm, come on, Chris. I mean, he was fast, but how how much use was he when he actually got to the other end? He was absolutely brilliant for half a season when he was playing for a new contract. But apart from that, <laughs> <laughs> excellent. All right, uh, let's go to Johnny. All oh, right, um, unmute. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I stuck purely to, to players who played in England um, and needing to get at least one Chelsea player into the back four. In the 1980s, you're not blessed with a huge amount of choice. Um, so we had Tony Dorigo at left back, which, you know, he may not been may not have been the greatest player. He was player of the season the first season he joined us when we got relegated to the second division. Um, came up the following year, 17 points clear of Man City, fifth in the first division the following season. He left went to Leeds and uh, won the title. So I think he's probably a, probably a better player than he was really given credit for. Um, two centre-halves, Alan Hansen, I, as previously noted, um, I think he was probably, um, as, as grudging as it is to say this is about a Liverpool player, I think he was probably way ahead of his time because he was just far more skillful. Um, I don't think he, he was very rarely booked. I don't think he was ever sent off. Um, just just a very, very skillful player. Um Next to him, you want a bit, a bit of thuggery and a bit of, um, bit of aggravation. So I put Kevin Ratcliffe in there, an um, Everton player who was captain at 23, um, won two First Division titles, the FA Cup and the, the Cup Winners' Cup, 56 cap for Wales. Um, annoyed Vinnie Jones a lot by getting him sent off and even managed to get, um, get that referenced in Jones' autobiography, which I thought was rather good. Um, and then right back, Phil Neal. Again, also previously covered, um, you know, four European Cups. You can't really argue with that, can you? I suppose not. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to level with you now, guys. None of you are getting Hansen in this team because he scarred me for life when I was a little girl. And that's because the first penis I ever saw was Alan Hansen's. <laughs> I'm not do, even do, I'm do not we, even we need to, you. Do we need to stop recording now? No. no. <laughs> All it was was someone barged into a dressing room on, like, grandstand or something. Um, and, and he was he turned around to face the camera and all I remember is this massive afro between his leg and this little pink thing poking out um, and going, Mummy, what's that? <laughs> um, that was so, quite <laughs> <interesting>, wasn't it? 
Oh, I shit you not. Alan Hansen, that's the first male penis I ever saw. And for that reason, you're not getting him in this team. Uh, James has just dropped back in after a connection issue. And James, you've dropped it on precisely the wrong moment of the conversation. <laughs> no, the funniest moment. I've uh, seen. We'll come to you in a second. But Holmes, who have you gone for at the back? Um, picking defenders was quite hard. And then for the younger people, if there are any listening to this, um, there wasn't as much coverage of the game back then you know match of the day only showed three three sets of highlights from three games some newspapers didn't even report have reports in the um on each game in the in the top league so it's really hard to see defenders in action really I mean with that in mind I've got Alan Hansen as well but obviously less said on that the better now given your yeah, <laughs> given that I've just basically yeah. put him in the Jimmy Savile category of celebrities yeah yeah I'm um, at fullback, I went for Viv Anderson because if you look at him, he won uh, championship. Uh, he won the league. He won the league. He won the European Cup. He won the European Cup again. Um, he was played for Forest. He played for United. He played for Arsenal. I mean, and he also he was the first black player to play for England when he played against Czech, Czechoslovakia in November 1978. And if you look at the trophies that he won and the clubs that he played for, I think he's a really worthwhile candidate. The other one I've got, in cent- the other central defender I've got is slightly random, and it's Ray Stewart from West Ham. And every week when I was um, looking at my dad's newspaper, and the only thing that you could see for most of the games was just the results and the league tables. And he used to seemingly score every week, which for a centre-back was like phenomenal. And in the end, he, most of these were penalties, but he scored 62 games, sorry, he scored 62 goals in 355 games for West, for West Ham, and he also played for Scotland. And then to, to finish off the defence, um, I also went for Kenny Sampson, basically because he was the only other fullback that I could re- recollect from the 80s. <laughs> OK, that was not, not a massively high bar then. Um, yeah. I like it. James, who did you go? You're going to enjoy this, I think, as a Villa fan, aren't you? Picking the defenders from the 80s? Oh, I, I really am. I, I've actually gone for a 3-4-3 formation because that was a popular formation, actually, the 1880s. But... I've gone for Ken McNaught, Alan Evans, both Villa players from the 81 and the 82 seasons. And for my third centre-back, I've gone for Franco Baresi. But um, for Ken McNaught and Alan Evans, they were the central defensive partnership in 81 and 82 for Villa. The title winning side in 81, of course, which we won with just 14 players. And when you consider back in the day how brutal the pitches were, how brutal the game was, to win a league with 14 players is just phenomenal. And then obviously 82, the European Cup winning season. 83, beating Barcelona to win the Super Cup. I mean, that defensive partnership was just rock solid. Uh, Just to touch back on the 70s, Ken McNaught, when he was signed, he was... when he played for Everton, he was considered one of the best centre-backs ever, young centre-backs with potential. And yeah, just them two, it was a no-brainer. Baresi, he played for 20 years, all with a, um, AC Milan. He's one of the greatest defenders of all time, considered. Ranked 19th in World Soccer Magazine's list of 100 greatest players of the 20th century. He won three UEFA Champions League, six Serie A, four Supercoppa Italiana, 
two European Super Cups and two Intercontinental Cups. So, I mean, actually, defenders are a sport for choice, but I've gone with those three at the back. Okay, good. Right. Um, oh, God. Alina? Right, what Hello. I want you to do is read your defence out and then I'm going to get Chris to comment on it, just as the Arsenal fan, because um, I'm hoping he will tell you that you're an idiot. Uh, so I don't care. I read, don't care. Read the names out. Can I not? I've got everything up, like all my Wikipedia pages and everything. Go on then, sell your defence to us that you'd never heard right, of until okay. we went on Wikipedia. <laughs> Let's go. So my first defender is Martin... Keown. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Martin <laughs> Keown was born on the 24th of July. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Just read the names out before. I mean, otherwise I swear lockdown or no lockdown, Aaron's getting in his car and he's just going to come and knock you out. Let's go. <laughs> it's all right. I'm in Poland. I'm safe. Right. Um, Tony Adams and Nigel Winterburn. Any more or is it a back three? I don't think you can have a back three with Nigel Winterburn in it, but let's let Chris explain why to you. Do you know what? I really don't know and I really don't care. Because all of these are Arsenal players, so the Arsenal fan is going to tell you why you're an idiot, hopefully. So so Nigel Winterburn was a really, really good footballer, but in terms of today and this evening, we've been talking about, you know, players that are full of shithousery and he is not one of those players. Absolutely I, I think, of I, think I could take him in a fight, couldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he scored like the occasional wonder goal. I think he got one wonder goal against Chelsea, actually. Uh, Probably. Yes, it usually did. happens, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I I was, uh, Even Jordan lovely. Henderson got a sodding wonder goal that he will never, ever recreate if you offer him all the money in the world against us. But yeah. yeah. I mean, Tony Adams is a good shout, but this is Defenders of the 80s, and Tony Adams was banged up for part of, uh, part of that. So, um, so that you're going you're gonna to be missing him for part of the season. Uh, Martin Keown is best known for that 2003, 2004 uh, Battle of Old Trafford in which he basically um, elbow-dropped Rude Van Nistelrooy, which Rude Van Nistelrooy totally had it come in, and I'm very glad that he did do it. Because uh, Rude Van Nistelrooy was a horse face. See you next Tuesday. But we'll move on from that. <laughs> Do you know what, we'll right? Martin Keown uh, has literally no sense of humour at all, right? So he was, we, nope. I think it was Everton Chelsea at Goodison Park. And he was down in the corner with Robbie Savage doing BT Sport and someone else who obviously is not nearly as well qualified or as eloquent as a football broadcaster as Aaron Paul is. Um, but he was like bitching away before the game. And uh, one of the Everton players knocked him on the head with a football. So obviously the whole Chelsea end pissed themselves laughing. The whole of that end of Everton fans pissed themselves laughing as well. And instead of laughing it off, now bear in mind that there had been a whole chorus from both sets of fans at Robbie Savage explaining why he was a see you next Tuesday. And he laughed it off. Keown then had the biggest paddy toddler meltdown I've ever seen in my life. Like he all but lay on the floor and beat the floor with his fists and cried like a little bitch baby. It was brilliant. You, you can you can tell that like he used to get Nigel Winterburn to do his washing for him and stuff, you know? A hundred percent. Like Ni- oh, yeah. Nigel was his little bitch, you can tell. I mean he's just a fucking horrible bastard. He's just probably a Neanderthal Martin Kean. Absolute scumbag. That just that one guy, you know you love to hate him. He he's just just dislike him, really dislike him. But yeah, like good choice, though, Elena. Yeah, a bit I like Van Nistelrooy. Yeah, <laughs> I do find him kind of good looking. So I like good looking people on my 
Hang on, are you are you claiming that Nigel win? I'm telling you now, if anyone escaped doesn't know what Nigel Winterburn looks like, he looks Nigel Winterburn. He looks like a postman. A postman who's turned to drink because he hates his life. The Keown guy. I don't know. The picture on Wikipedia is pretty decent. Ma- Martin Keown looks like a fucking CGI remake. You know, like <laughs> they're doing Crime Watch. You know, uh, uh, what, what, an E-Fit or something like that. You know, like, oh, we're looking for this man. Yeah, it's Martin Keown every time. Do you know what you need to do? Do you know, for some balance and reflection, the Arsenal fan that's clearly put your team together for you, text him and tell him that you think Keown's good looking and then read his response and tell us what it is. At least you've got Keown balancing up the shithouse stakes in that team compared to Winterburn. That's I mean, true, but as an Arsenal so... fan who should love him more than any of us, what say you to the idea that he's fit? He's not... He's not. Oh, no, wait. Track, is he? No, he's not actually. I've just, I've just no pressed more elements. on the photos. <laughs> I mean, he only has one. He only has one eyebrow to start off with. Let's let's start with that and work our way. He down. looks good looking from that one photo, and I'm now looking at the rest of them, and I might have. Leader, it's a photo of someone else. I'm telling you. I think uh, if we're talking about attractiveness in football with the Keown thing, I don't. I, if anyone's ever been to Villa Park, it's great. If you're a fan like me, because you feel. Are you saying you feel attractive when you go to Villa Park? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> ouch. Oh, James, you've just been owned. I am. Um, I think oh. I just, just one thing to add. I don't think Paolo Maldini should be allowed just on the basis that he is simply too good looking to be a footballer. When you bear in mind that we, you know, the players, defenders we were, we were watching in the 1980s and what they looked like. And Terry Butcher. Know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, <laughs> he's far too handsome to be a footballer. It, it simply wasn't on. A phenomenal player and one, one of my all-time, all-time favourites, but it, it, he shouldn't be allowed. It, he's far too good looking. You can't have a man like that in a football team. I mean, I'm the, if I want my defenders to all look like Ivanovic. I yeah, want them like, to look like they've, like they've been fighting. daggered out of Chernobyl Mate, after a gang a, 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 At one point, Chelsea had a whole back line where basically they shared one eyebrow. Bazingwa, <laughs> Tal Benhaim, Ivanovic, they all had one eyebrow between them. It was horrendous. Mate, Bazingwa's eyebrow had to go down as a separate name on the team sheet. We, ba- we based an offside trap around that eyebrow. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know what? I love Bazingwa. Uh, I love him. Uh, uh, you know, he apparently back. gave the team talk, didn't he, in 2012 at Munich? Like, Di Matteo didn't say anything at Munich. He blew, he blew his load all before we went to QPR then because they hated him there. Absolutely <laughs> hated him. If he's seen around there, that's South Africa. It's like they will finish him off. Right. Chris has just revealed why we went for a drinks break, haven't you, Chris? That um, Why you can't love AC Milan anymore. Yeah, I'm, I don't want to swear too much, but... Um, I'll go for it. You didn't, we had a French historian talking about Elizabeth I yesterday. And she swears more than I do, so go for it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm, to be honest with you, I've always loved AC Milan growing up. Always, when I played Chapman in the 90s, I'd always pick AC Milan to be. And uh, yeah, they're now even Gazidis is there. And quite, I'm quite glad that we've got, we've got rid of him. We've kicked him out. But um, it's just a bit, a bit sad that my, uh, my Italian team now run by that idiot 
Anyway. You're, a bit, you're a bit more exotic when it comes to football manager and championship manager power. I always think about the commutable distance from home before I pick a club on there. You know, <laughs> is, is, can I travel to Bodymore Heath every day? In reality, can I do the M40 every day? Is it going to happen for me? I'm not sure. Is there a, Milan, no chance, mate. Is there a direct bus route? Exactly. Is there a direct bus route? Can I get the train? How am I going to do it? Is there motorways? What's the situation? You know, am I going to be able to battle the M25? Is it going to happen? I see. I'm currently, um, I'm currently doing in the modern day game. I'm currently doing Morecambe, so you know that's a trip up the M6 and a half. That's a hell of a trip. Oof. <laughs> and they're considered one of the, the probably the worst teams in English football league. Morecambe, aren't they? Yep. Oh mate, like <laughs> is that regularly. why you picked them? Yep. <laughs> Trust me. It when could you be get worse. You could be Milton. Board, you could pick Milton Keynes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Right, okay. Let's move on to the midfield. Enough of us are back. We have more drinks now, um, so this can only get worse for listeners. Uh, who wants to go first? So the midfield, um, I didn't give anyone rules on formation because I just didn't care enough. Um, but the midfield, we're moving up to the 90s now. So I feel, given the age of everybody that's here today, uh, this is where arguments will get more impassioned. Because, Well, apart from the football history boys, who are obviously knowledgeable in all facets of history um, and are sitting there with their notes and sounding really professional and really knowledgeable against the people that clearly put their teams together while they were having a beer um, over the course of half an hour. Um, they're, they're showing us all up. But who wants to go first with a 90s midfield? You know what? I'll start because I wasn't here for part of the defence. OK, first choice, Eric Cantona. So <laughs> don't do that to Alina because she'll actually think yeah. that's how you say it <laughs> yeah she's going to have to look Eric Cantona up then I've gone for Zidane Skulls and Giggs so Skulls really yeah. Skulls <laughs> justify Skulls to me it's just he's part of that class isn't he and he was just that team that whole Manchester United team in the 90s I mean, especially when Cantona came in, yes, he's well known for uh, Kung Fu kicking that fan into next week, but I it's just, just that whole side. Maybe, and Aaron can jump in on this probably and have a go at me as well, but I just feel that if someone's going to make the best football team in history, they should be able to tackle. <laughs> I know, that's why you put Roy Keane next to him. He shouldn't, he don't need to do the work. You put Roy Keane next to him. You know, why go to the monkey when you can go to the organ grinder instead? Let Skulls do his stuff. Yeah, I'd have to, I feel when you've got candidates like Vieira, who's obviously going to come up lined up, um, he's yep. even on what, a team. <laughs> yeah, but, but this is why I had, this is why I had like Zidane and Cantona and gigs in there I think I said as well it's just that formation you want a real passing game rather than a the ability to there. take the ball off of someone else you're just relying on not giving up position <laughs> is what you're saying <laughs> well that, that's what it is yeah Aaron have you got skulls in your team then I, I have I mean the temptation was there to, to do the treble winning midfield of 99 to go gig skulls keen Beckham, but I always had a dislike for David Beckham. I always used to just—I never liked. Is it because he's better looking than you? <laughs> no, but you know, I don't he's think he is personally. Certain countries, let's be fair. You know, this is true. I mean, if, if he, he went to, to India, India people, pe- pe- people think, "Who the fuck is this geezer?" You know, this is but, true. Whereas if you go to let's... India, women throw themselves at you. 
Exactly, exactly. Let's be fair. Let's be fair. He wasn't an amazing footballer, David Beckham. He was a good footballer, a very good footballer, but he wasn't amazing. So in that midfield, I went for Giggs because I do think that he's the greatest player to play for Manchester United. Longevity, he had everything about him. You know, he realised his career was coming to an end at one point and he extended it by taking up new methods. He used to get the shit kicked out of him by people in training for the fact that he went and did yoga and meditation and then eventually everyone started doing it. Are you sure they weren't kicking the shit out of him because he was sleeping with his brother's wife? (laughs) be fair let's be fair alex if you want to talk about club captains we can talk about Mate, let's your go man, your because man about. let's, let's your do man it about. bring yeah? it man because it did not go john. on for eight, racist john. eight yeah. years bagging yeah, your no, brother's I, wife I, and everyone talks fine. about him like it's he's fine. a saint keep it look in part in parts of asia people consider that the norm they don't consider racist <laughs> behavior at all <laughs> It's so your justification Afghanistan is fine, you know. <laughs> is it considered it's normal it's in good. Wales? Good, Let's yeah. ask Ben uh, and Gareth. You, you're saying you were thinking of you're saying he was thinking about the lucrative overseas Asian Premier League. Of right? course he yeah. was. <laughs> that, that Reebok deal was paying fuck all, mate. No, no, I'm bringing yeah. right Ben and Gareth. You're Welsh. Is it acceptable to share wives with your brothers in Wales? I can't stand gigs. I was hoping you'd get sacked when we go through a rough spell for Wales. And I, honestly, honestly, I don't count him as Welsh. I don't care anything he did. If you listen to him speak, he sounds English. His kid is basically English now. He's nothing. He honestly means nothing to me. He's been my most hated footballer of all time, and he's the Welsh manager. Man. And honestly, when he got appointed, I didn't. I didn't go and watch Wales play for about four or five games after he got appointed. I had a season ticket at Wales on the, the tournament ticket. I've gone for years. I didn't want to watch. I, honestly, I cannot stand him. Um, Look, do you know I what? For that impassioned and eloquent <laughs> argument, Giggs isn't getting in this side. I went for Giggs, Skulls, uh, Roy Maurice Keane purely because he was just what a man, <laughs> the, epi- the epitome of men. Is and this then the, the shit other mistakes again? But basically, yeah. And then the other epitome of men, Eric Daniel Pierre Cantona, uh, or Cantona, as, as someone mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, I needed someone to fill that right hand flank. It wasn't going to be Beckham. Letizia was someone I always wanted to see play at Manchester United because I thought he was brilliant. And, you know, for the pretty boys we had, his teeth would have really done well. Oh, on the don't mention him. Alina's probably Googling him now. I reckon she fancies him. Matthew Letizia. He looked like, you know, that fella at the Goonies. Who was yeah. it? You know, um, <laughs> oh, you Letizia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you, know, you know the one that goes, yeah, him. You know, you know, you know when they did the impression of him, he looks like Matey at the Goonies. Letiz was close. But it's got to be Giggs, Skulls, Keen, and Cantona just roaming around. Let him do what he wants. Let him do what he wants. Uh, Gareth, you hate Giggs. Who did you go for? I'm not having a Premier League player in that midfield because I think the Premier League, other than '99, were were not you know didn't have the greatest decade in the '90s. Um, so I've gone. Uh, Lothar Matthias is my CDM. I think you need mm. a strong centre defensive midfielder, vital vital man. 150 caps for Germany. Um, World Cup. Uh, in 1990 and was one of the men in the tournament for them and was superb just throughout that. Uh, then I've got Laudrup and Zidane in front of him. I remember I'm playing five at the back or, or three at the back and um, then joining him with Maldini and uh, Reuter on left and right. But um, Mal, uh, Zidane for me, obviously, I mean, he goes on to have these in noughties as well, but 1998 World Cup, home, uh, home soil, massive pressure on him, a bit like Neymar a few years ago in 2014. But 
he is just, he's incredible. He scores in the final. He wins the World Cup for them. He wins the Ballon d'Or that year. So Zidane's got again for me. Um, and obviously then headbutts his way off the international stage in the noughties, which is the best <laughs> way to leave the international stage, you know? Um, yeah, and pretty Laudra, much, yeah. Laudra alongside him, who was like Cruyff's main man, quite sadly didn't go to 1992 um, Euros with Denmark for inexplicable reasons, fell out with a coach, but uh, was superb for that Barca side. And, and ultimately those three were far better than anyone in the Premier League because I'm not having any Premier League players in there. <laughs> oh, who, right. So I'm quite sold on Cantona, uh, Matthias, uh, Matthias, and I quite, I, I do, do you know what, Zidane, I love that that's just the Frenchest thing in the world mm. to headbutt yourself off of the international stage like that. Uh, we talked about him on a football history show the other day and Alina pronounced it Zidane, um, which confused <laughs> the crap out of everybody. <laughs> oh, who wants to go next? I'll go next. Go on um, then. Uh, I've got the same as Gareth, really, except for one player. So I've got Laudrup and uh, Zidane. Got Laudrup in there because he was, uh, or Michael Laudrup is, because um, he was the main player really in Johan Cruyff's dream team. So he's an uh, you know, integral player to Barcelona's dominance and he later joined Real Madrid, which is a bit of a, a commotion. Um, I've got Rivaldo in my team as well. Um, 99, Ballon d'Or, that's the best player in the world that year. He won the World Cup in 98. Uh, sorry, he got runners-up in 98, then he won it in 2002. Um it's a fantastic player all round, really. I think he's forgotten a little bit because of uh, Ronaldo and Ronaldinho and that and, and that bunch. Um, so yeah, my midfield three. Ben, he'll never be forget. Ben, he'll never be forgotten because he was the guy that got the ball booted at his leg and he <laughs> held his face in the corner in the World Cup. And <laughs> that was in the noughties, though. So it's all right. <laughs> oh, so that wasn't in the nineties. So you've you've uh, exonerated him. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's fine. <laughs> so I went for Patrick Vieira. Because yeah. the guy is a master. You know, anyone that's going to spit at Neil Ruddock deserves uh, applauding. Mate, um, he's massive. He bought that that um, awards thing. He bought me a gin and tonic. He's like three and a half times my size, width yeah. weight and height weight. He yeah. tried to say that Chelsea tried to sign him. And I was like, uh, I don't think so. But anyway, doubtful. yeah. But, doubtful, man. Doubtful. Yeah. Spitting but, yeah. at him, that's brave. Patrick Vieira, absolute monster. Schooled Roy Keane on many occasions. He's won... So much you can't even imagine. He's won the Premier League three times. He's won the FA Cup four times with Arsenal and Man City. He's won the Serie A four times. He's won the Super Copa. He's won the FIFA World Cup in 1998. He won the European Championships in 2000, the Confederation Cup in 2001. You know, he's a good manager as well, by all accounts, which Roy Keane just cannot do for the life of him. Possibly the greatest FA Cup assist ever as well. At Villa Park, um, you know, I mean, just just finding that crossfield ball to Giggs, evading all of his, what a what a brilliant assist that was! I prefer, um, you know, Aaron, the, Aaron, I prefer the uh, penalty that Patrick Vieira scored in the two thousand five World <laughs> Cup, even though he battered us for the entire game <laughs> to win to win that. I prefer that one, mate. I prefer that. Hey, I, mate, uh, you know, this you is know, still my know, this you... is still my go. So you sit down. You wait. Let him whip out his trophies. Let him whip out his trophies. Let him whip out his trophies. Let him whip out his trophies and show show him to Roy Keane. Let him get get what, the medals. You mean like the World Cup? You mean like the World Cup? Like the treble, the European Cup, or the back to back Premier League, European Cup that he won at France in two thousand. That one. The Euro- no trophies. one gives a Boy shit King, about that. Me. <laughs> Zin- Mate, he, he, he was Zinedine Zidane's boot boy. He was Zinedine Zidane's boot boy for it. Let's be fair. He was Makaleli's bitch for it. Let's sat. be fair. I do. I have sat. Listen. I'd rather be Aaron. Let's pick some people like Gary Neville. 
Come Aaron, on, man. Come, come Aaron, on. Aaron, you on that. Vieira. Put yourself on mute before I get Alex on mute. <laughs> right? Aaron, on you have had your There's turn. There's always one nonce Here we go. Here we go. I have sat Aaron. in a studio with you during the World Cup with you doughy-eyed about how fantastic the World Cup and, and the Euros are and things like that. So you cannot turn this around, my friend. I'm not having it. I was getting paid I'm to say that. having it. Yeah. Paid very well to say that. All right, Aaron, all right. So Patrick shush. I tried to go a little bit random because they're the obvious ones. So I went for Zidane, but I've, I've actually got two randoms in there. Yari Litmanen in my 90s build. That's pretty random. I loved, I loved Yari Litmanen playing for Ajax, not when he was just a bit of a joke at Liverpool. Liverpool Lurgers. <laughs> um, Yari Litmanen was, like, was the kind of player that, because I was um, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 in the 90s onwards, um, and he's the type of guy that you go into the playground and I'd be pretending to be him. You know, he was absolutely brilliant when he was at Ajax and I loved him. So I had to get him in there. And he's also, I believe him to be Finland's greatest ever export. And I've literally, I can think of nothing else. And I even had to Google this. So I literally Googled Finland's greatest exports. And apparently telecommunications equipment, passenger cars and forestry products is all you've got. Oh yeah, they're Nokia, aren't they? Is Yara Littman is the greatest export that Finland has ever had. So I'm having in there. I can't agree with that, but that's because I'm an ice hockey fan as well. So, <laughs> uh, And then the, the other, other final one that I've got, again, because it's shithousery, is uh, Dunga. Dunga oh, in that yeah. 94 World Cup. Ooh. Loved him. Loved him. He was the most un-Brazilian player you've ever seen. But that team, <laughs> to be fair, was a bit un-Brazilian, wasn't it, um, in the 94 World Cup. And the 94 World Cup was when I first properly started getting into the World Cup. Like, I remember 90, Italia 90. I was still, like, a bit young. But 94, it was when football had become the obsession. So that was the one I was properly into. And then Dunga, I don't know why he stood out for me, probably because of the shithousery. But yeah. yeah. So that's my Vieira, Zidane, Lippmann, and Dunga. Who did you support? Did you pretend to be Irish like everybody else? No, German. I'm my family German, so. Oh, okay. Mm. So I'm all right <laughs> when it comes to World Cups. And penalties, yeah. Oh, right. Who haven't we done? I've not gone yet. Go on, Johnny. Right. Um, okay. Former midfield, John Barnes, left wing. Um, I just think he's probably one of the most gifted players England's ever produced. Um, he got obviously the amount of shit he got for being a black man in um, in English football at that time was is, is well documented, and the way he handled it and the way he dealt with it, I think was was pretty impressive. Um, I just sort of digging through the stats: twenty two goals from from the wing in the, their nineteen ninety title winning season. That's you know that's Ronaldo level stuff. That's that's pretty impressive. And obviously, football's finest rapper. No, yeah, I was going to say, can anyone do the rap? Uh, no. Go on, Chris can. Chris, is, Chris can remember this. No. <laughs> Who started it? I, I heard I it. It wasn't me. I started it. Go on. You got to hold and get for two it at the right time. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went um, on We'll try to beat you, defeat you. I can't remember what else he said. Something we'll about down the wing point. and three lions on my shirt. Uh, Wales being better or something. Like that. <laughs> Chris, Chris was just quiet, did it? <laughs> it was um, criminal. Go on, Johnny. Who else? So have you yeah, put in there? Um, I, I grudgingly, I, I'll, I'll agree. And Roy Keane goes into central midfield just because uh, there was there were so many moments where you sat and watched it on TV and went, "Yeah, you know what? I, I, you wouldn't want to go for a pint with him, but 
there were some performances in there. The 96 Cup final, um, that Champions League final, the semi-final away to Juventus after he got booked and knew he wasn't playing in the, playing in the final, just dragged the team through and, and, and got them in, got them there. Um, and he told Mick McCarthy to stick out of his bollocks. So, you know, I think that's, um, that's a reasonably creditable thing. Um, next to him, we put Rude Hullet, um, just because you have to have a Chelsea man in there. Um, I, I remember when, he, the rumours were starting to float around that he was going to sign for Chelsea and it was just lunacy it was kind of you thought thing. everyone was on drugs didn't you? I, it, was, it was insane bearing in mind there was no social media I did, like the, the Daily Mail dropped on my parents doormat much to my horror and on the back <laughs> you know hood it in for Chelsea and it was, this is insane the only option you had was to ring club call and spend about 30 quid before anyone said anything of vague interest or teletext. Yeah, or teletext. Oh, teletext. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he eventually arrived. And our, one of the first games he played for us, he was, he was kind of, he started off, he started off in central defence, which wasn't exactly his best position. But he was picking up the ball and just pinging these incredible sort of 40, 50-yard passes, which were, didn't seem to be going anywhere. And then Mark Steve went, oh, me? <laughs> And, and kind of finally sussed it, and uh, but it just just to have someone like that at, at Chelsea, and you know he was obviously part of that kind of revolution in the Premier League in the, in the, in the towards the mid to late nineties with sort of Bergkamp, Zola, Klinsman, people like that turned up and, and really sort of made it into to what it is now. Um, and yeah, just the fact he he ever played for Chelsea was really quite something. Um, and we'll take slight liberties with the position, but next we'll stick Paul Gascoigne on the uh, in in at right wing. Um, Basically, the finest, you know, a very, very flawed character, and we all know what's happened since um, since he stopped playing. Um, but pretty much the finest football England's ever produced. And and you know, I, I think um, there's there's probably another discussion when you kind of go through great players that England produced in that era. That had they not been boozers and you know just general lunatics and had a bit more of a balanced look on life what kind of team we could have produced or any could have produced it would be quite an interesting conversation I think have so you heard my, that uh, my Merson rumour I like it that Merson well it's not even a rumour Merson said he got so utterly shit-faced one day before playing West Ham that um, he was running down the wing at Highbury um, and he literally fell over his own feet because he was still drunk um, in front of everybody and that he tried to style it out but there were no other players near him so he just had to look like a total tit and then get up and try and carry on. It's very um, Merson. Very Merson. Yeah. You've got to hold and but do it at the right time. John Barnes gets it for me. Do you know what? He might have just to go in for having the balls to rap. Clearly as well, for that good old British institutional racism, they went, dude, you're black, you must be able to rap. And clearly he couldn't, but he did it anyway. Um. I think he's getting my vote for that reason alone. But Holmes hasn't had a go yet. I mean, just to pick up, I, I also picked uh, Gaza as Johnny did. Um, so we don't need to go over that. I think the thing about Gaza is it's not necessarily about the trophies. You know, he might have won a couple in Scotland, but to be honest, the Scottish Premier League is like league earned with a slightly better diet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's also the only player I can ever remember being sent off for swearing. Well, I think it was, uh, I think it was, the season after Italia 90, where Roger Milford sent him off for swearing, um, which is kind of unique. Um, I, tr- I struggled with one position. And in the end, I just ended up going for Matt Letizia. Um Again, 
he didn't win many trophies, but he arguably kept Southampton in the Premier League for about five years in the 90s. And he seemed to win Match of the Day's Goal of the Month pretty much for most of that time as well, as far as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And he should have played more for England. Um, I've been slightly cheeky here and put Frank Lampard in. But I mean, I presume we're talking about the whole scope of their career, as we mentioned Peter Shilton in his 40s and stuff right at the start of this. I think, you know, he did play in the 90s. And if we look at the contribution he made to Chelsea and the trophies that he won and how consistent he was, um, I think he deserves to go in. Um, and then my final one, and I know people have spoken out against him tonight, is David Beckham. Um, I was going to raise this, actually. So you tell us why you want David Beckham, and then we'll have a bit of a discussion about whether he should or he should I, not I be in this. Him, his, him being part of the Man United team, you know, he was a part of a great team then, and all of them contributed. But I think his performances for England over the time, you know, he never really let us down. He always scored pretty much when it mattered. If you think about that free kick against Greece in the World Cup qualifier, penalties against Argentina in the World Cup, penalties during penalty shootouts. I mean, it arguably he let us down when he kicked out mm. against Simeone in the 98 World Cup, but he was just doing what Argentinians were doing then. So, if any, you know, I don't think that can be held against him either. I'm pretty sure that's what Simeone has every single one of his Atletico Madrid players do every week at the moment. Um, who doesn't agree with David Beckham being good enough to be in this team? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you know what? I wouldn't say I disagree, but what, one of the things that I, got new, I had newfound respect from was when he went to Real Madrid and maybe he was running down his contract and Capello was the manager at the time. And Capello basically said in like the September... Well, he's never going to play for Real Madrid again because he won't sign a new contract. But by December or January, I think he was a regular in the team because he'd won, he'd just essentially got his head down, worked really hard. He got back into that Real Madrid team, which is a yeah. really good Real Madrid team, Ronaldo, etc. And he'd won him over. And then he buggered off to uh, LA Galaxy. <laughs> Aaron, the mank in the room. Yeah, I just I was never a fan. I don't know why I was never a fan. I mean, you know, he he did pop up with with important goals at points. I mean, ninety nine, two thousand. I can remember us, you know, winning the league at Old Trafford. I can remember being there at Old Trafford and, and Les Ferdinand scoring and realizing. I mean, the the best thing was actually Les Ferdinand's celebration because he's lobbed Schmeichel and realized, shit, I've just given Arsenal the league. And then you know Beckham scoring an absolutely fantastic goal from the edge of the box, but. It was weird. He he reminded me of sort of the first. He was the first major incident of of a player playing away from United, trying to trying to broker a move somewhere. You know, he was always in the papers for for one reason or another, and his sort of relationship deteriorated with with Fergie. And I mean, it was quite interesting because in his last season, Ole Solskjaer replaced him on the right wing, and and Beckham started playing a yeah. big part. 
Um, and, and Solskjaer turned into a really good winger, and I think knee injuries sort of curtailed that. But, I mean, he just he just really wasn't ever my kind of player. You know, I always prefer those players that get down, work hard, and, and, and crack on. But he wanted to be a Galactico, and he became a Galactico. I think maybe he would have done better at Barcelona. Maybe he would have. And I, and I, th- I know he was close to joining Barcelona, um, but they went for... I think I'm looking at it mainly from his, from his England contribution, where he did pretty much everything that was asked of him. Uh, do you know what the sad thing was? I remember the start of the 98-99 season. We played West Ham in our first away game. Uh, and I was at Upton Park. And, and the, oh, my God, I was like 9, 10 years old. The abuse he got was horrendous after the whole Simeone incident. You know, I think everyone's realised now that, you know, Simeone is just basically an absolute knob jockey. But, you know... <laughs> you know With the he, worst comb-over in football. Oh, horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Well, I was struggling to find, we're not doing forwards yet, but I was struggling to find someone to fill my second forward berth. And I was looking at the England Euro and World Cup squads from the 2000s. And apart from people like Lampard, Gerrard, Beckham, you know, there's lots of dross in those World Cup squads. In hindsight, you think, well, Jesus, we're lucky to finish third in the group with some of those. Like Rooney. I mean, oh, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2004, you got Darius fucking Vassell. Yeah, well, he was the one I liked. Really slating Villa tonight, guys. Thanks for that. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, but I, I have nothing but for Darius Vassell. Must have every time you heard his name announced on an England squad, just went, oh, what the fuck's going on here? But I'll take it. But he was in, he was in the England squad for Japan 2002. And Euro 2004. Mate, so know. was Trevor Sinclair. Yeah. With <laughs> <laughs> Danny Mills. I, I was a kid when that Villa side was around. Like, I was like six, seven, eight, something like that. So, Vassell, Angel, those sort of players, they stick in my head because those were the childhood players. What, you mean the David O'Leary days, the Hummel days of David <laughs> O'Leary, where you guys oh, were so shit. Cool. You guys were so oh. bad those days. <laughs> You guys were bad, man. Jay Lloyd no, no, Samuel. no. I, the, the first game I remember, my first away game, was an FA Cup game, I believe, in 2000. Um, yes, I remember that season. I remember the final. The Villa player I hate more than anyone in the history of Villa is Ad Bonlahor because he was just a diving little git bag <laughs> with a really whiny little Weasley face as well. I would just, just briefly point out that the 2000 FA Cup final you referred to is probably one of the worst games of football I've ever sat through live. It was absolutely <laughs> appalling. Sat behind a pillar in the old Wembley having paid about 90 quid for a seat. Dreadful, <laughs> truly dreadful. And you should feel privileged to have done so. I, that was the final game at the, it, the last... At the exactly. I, 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 was, I was privileged to go to the last FA Cup final at the old Wembley and the new one and see uh, the first game at the new one and see my team win yeah. both games. Both games were fairly poor, if the truth be told, but that's, you know, often the way we cup finals. But anyway... Mind you, Johnny, uh, I, when we won the FA Cup under Conte, I sat, we watched it in my lounge and you fell asleep. I know, because it was an even worse game. <laughs> <laughs> better than Cardiff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Alina. Let's get Alina's choices in, I think, because yeah. we all Alina. need a laugh. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Alina, just read the names out. Uh, Gerard, Vieira, Beckham, Key, something or other. Keen. <laughs> That's the one. Okay, we'll just move on from this. The fact that Gerard oh, just makes me want to. Can I quickly say this funny Gaza story? Yeah, go on. You had an anecdote you wanted to tell. Let's 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 just bypass yeah. Alina's choices completely because we yeah, didn't even heard about was, the um, 
Yeah, because this was around the 1990 World Cup. The Villa player David Platter just joined the squad and he kept going on about Doug Ellis this, Doug Ellis that, Doug Ellis has the best yacht, etc, etc. So by lunchtime, Gazza and a few others decided to take the piss. It was a big yacht just off the coast, which Gazza started swinging out to and saying, oh, look, Dougie in his boat, and started shouting, Dougie, Dougie, where are you? And it turned out it was actually Doug Ellis, because he popped <laughs> over the side and said, hello, Paul. So they all got on the boat, about eight of us, including Gary Lineker's missus, and they all had about 30 bottles of champagne and all the food. Well, Gazza had all the food. <laughs> Doug Sorry, Ellis, though, Holmes. Interesting fact about Doug Ellis is that he claims that he invented the overhead kick. He was on um, <laughs> in the Second World War. He ended up apparently being stationed in Italy, and he was having a kick around, um, like an interforces kick around, and in front in front of some watching Italians. And he maintains that during that kick around, he scored with an overhead kick. And the Italians he, saw him do that, took it away, and it became a thing in Serie A after the he war. May, he, may, he may have said that, but he never. He was never like, you know, Dave Whelan, who insisted on, did you know I brought my leg in FA Cup final? Yes, Dave, fuck off now, yeah? We don't care anymore. Right, Is he Dave Indian? Whelan? That was a proper yeah, yeah, Indian that, that accent. Was, that was Dave, Dave Whelan, Dave Whelan. <laughs> Uh, Gareth and Ben, you are football history masters. Did he invent the overhead kick or is he full of it? It's quite I have claim. heard that story. I have heard that story as well. So I don't know if we're hearing it from the same place, but I, uh, I think Doug Ellis's overhead kick claim, I, I, I'm going to give it to him. Yeah, well, you can't prove he didn't, can you? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right, OK. Let's move on. We've got the forwards left to do um, before, oh, God help us, we talk about the managers. So the forwards had to be um, between, they had to be the noughties. They had to play in the noughties. And they were supposed to be retired by 2009, so we weren't just talking about current players. I have my suspicion some people may not really have listened to that. Um, and I no longer care. So who wants to go first? Um, well, I clearly ignored you because I had to go for Thierry Henry because he is the greatest footballer that I've seen for my football team. And people will say Dennis Burkamp, but Dennis Burkamp, when I was at a season ticket holder at Arsenal, I only got my season ticket when I was at the Emirates. So seeing on a most more regular basis, Burkamp was a little bit before my time. And you know, I was a little bit young when, when he was first coming onto the scene in his prime. But Thierry Henry just did things with the football, both scoring and also assisting that it just blew my mind and even though he didn't win the Champions League with Arsenal he did go away and win it with Barcelona so he has basically won everything um, he was just better technically for both assists and goals and I remember there was one year where it was like the world football of, of the year and Pavel Nedved won it and it was the biggest joke in the history of it was the biggest indiscretion of the history of football because Thierry Henry was clearly the best footballer on the planet I feel like it was 2002 um, when that happened but Pavel Nedved won it for Juventus and it was like nah this, this is a flawed competition and we all know it's a flawed uh, trophy now anyway because two players win it every year regardless of what happens but um, a, a quick anecdote I saw five, I saw him score five goals at Highbury against Leeds United just as they were getting relegated and he basically had a massive barney at Arsene Wenger when he subbed him off because he wanted a second hat-trick and just <laughs> literally just sat down put his shirt on and got grumpy I mean he was just so unplayable 
sometimes. It and also, just, but it does help when you can use your hands and get away with it, doesn't it? Well, you know, that, that's that too. <laughs> and he uses his hands to great effect. I don't know if anyone's seen that <laughs> meme of uh, him in the studio just uh, putting his hand on Jamie Carragher's <laughs> and then Jamie Carragher pulling that really uncomfortable look at the camera. Genius. <laughs> but, it, but, but Jamie Carragher was clearly slightly horny and uncomfortable with it. That's <laughs> Exactly, exactly. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. But you know what's annoying is you know the Renault adverts and Sky with Thierry yeah. Henry. It's like you have the limit, limit, and then him just go, Oh, who ate all the toffees? He's gone from great with Vavavoom, which was a brilliant advertising sort of like campaign, to shit, utter shit, where he sat there and like, you know, he's just like, Hey guys, you know, like, you know, he's just sat in a car, mate, what's this? And it's the music behind it as well. I, I'd, I'd want to mute it. I've got to don't, say, don't think you're going to get him booted out of the contention. Aaron, the, the, the <laughs> fact that you're basically picking out advertisements in which he doesn't really have any other say as the negatives against him, I'm quite happy with. And my Mate, he's choice... annoying as fuck. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. He is brilliant, but he's annoying as fuck. Well, Let Chris do his other one. Second choice, the real Ronaldo. Ronaldo Luis Nazario de Lima. Fat Ronaldo, uh, we talking about well, before no. he was fat. World Player of the Year in 2002. Absolute monster at scoring goals. I mean, the guy scored... Let me just double check. I've got it here. 352 career goals in 518 games. That's just mental. Like, even his last season, he got... He's obviously had, he had his knee injury, I think, and loads of injury problems. In his final season for Corinthians in 2010, he only played 11 games. He got six goals. I mean, that's just mental. And isn't six this goals. the one where Nike forced Sorry, him to Sorry, nine play... goals. The FA Cup final, uh, the World, World Cup. Cup final, when he was injured because he was such a big deal that you couldn't not have him running around on the pitch. Yeah, he was 60% fit. And he said, like, because you remember he had the silly haircut? Yeah. With the triangle. Um, it, when he was asked about that, he said, well, before I went into the competition, everyone was talking about the fact I was injured and no one was talking about anything else. So I shaved my hair like that. <laughs> So that so that people would be talking about my haircut instead of my injury. So, I mean, the guy was just brilliant. And maybe that's another... what Neymar does. Maybe he does that so people won't talk about the fact that he's a cheating, diving bastard. So he has all those yeah. stupid hairdos. Exactly. Probably. Probably. And <laughs> um, one final thing on Ronaldo. Yeah. I don't know if this is this is a little known fact. He was actually the original Ronaldinho because in the 1994 World Cup he went there as a youngster, but then also in the 1996 Olympic. Um, games he played for Brazil and he was called Ronaldinho they called him Ronaldinho in Brazil because there was another Ronaldo he was also known as R9 on FIFA like back in the day in 2000 2001 like his he he wouldn't be called Ronaldo his just name would be R9 so I'd be sat there just going oh okay all right or like number nine or or, or something like that I met him in a curry house actually in Covent Garden Um, lovely lovely chat big boy (laughs) yeah He's a big boy, isn't he now? In um, just on, on the Ronaldo thing, I, I, I'm in agreement. I went to um, I went out to um, Germany in 2006 for the game of Brazil Ghana and in Dortmund, and the, the Brazil Brazilian players came out kind of one by one, and he came out last. I mean, that stadium is quite something, but the noise when he came out, I have never ever heard anything like it in a football ground. It was just truly extraordinary he, he was just he was a god I mean and this was when he was way past his best but he still scored and I think that's that's the game he walks away with um, the you know all-time World Cup final goals record um, yeah quite a player quite a player 
Mine's fairly straightforward. The first one was was a shoe in for me, um, and it's Alan Shearer, basically. Premier League's top goal scorer by a long way. He scored 260 goals in a Premier Premier League. I mean, by way of comparison, Aguero is currently 80 goals behind that. And he's just he's the best English centre forward I can remember in my life, basically. I think he could do everything, headers, shots from outside the box. He was just really consistent and he scored basically in one almost once, you know, one in two games. Just really consistent. The second one was a bit of a struggle. In that, you know, I looked up candidates I mentioned earlier, like Vassell and Peter Crouch and stuff like that. I have to say, I thought we were picking British players, hence my rather poor choices so far. But um, um, I went for Wayne Rooney in that. Oh, I'm not having that. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you look at him, he scored 253 goals and 59 appearances. He's won the Champions League, he's won the league five times. And I could have played better for England than he did, ever. True, but I mean, if you, if you go back and look at some of those squads, he was carrying quite a bit of dross. And he did score 53 goals. And, you know, he's the second highest, I think he's the second highest appearance maker with 120 appearances. I mean, I think he gets a bit of flack, you know, unlike Sir St. Ryan of Giggs for his dalliance with the older lady, shall we say. Yeah. Are um, you saying the fact that everybody calls him a fat granny shagger? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Will you try to step around that? He, he hangs around post offices on Tuesdays. That's all we're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's on the internet. It must be true. But you know, when, when I set out to do this, I thought they had to be British. And look, obviously, there's no Scot- decent Scottish centre forwards in that time. The British ones aren't that great either. So um, I, I plumbed with him. But I mean, well, then who would you go for if you'd have uh, ignored the rules like everybody else? Well, I, w- I would have gone for Zola. Ah. Uh... You know, he's, well, he's sorry, I, I think he's slightly underrated and that people talk about Henri and stuff like that, probably because, you know, we only started winning cups by that time. Had we had it been a few years on and we were winning the league a, a bit more, you know, once or twice, I think he'd probably be up there with Henri and Bergkamp and the like. No Gareth. chance with Henri. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> Gareth, come in and uh, rebut Alan Shearer. Uh, I just no, I'm in Alan Shearer. Uh, partly because I didn't want any English players, so I only refused <laughs> any English players inside. But also, uh, I think Henri was better. Uh, he had a better get- goal ratio. I mean, I was looking at, it, at Shearer. Yeah, obviously, you know, ridiculous record. But sorry, how much of that record is post? Because uh, he's supposed to be noughties as well. How much of his record is? Yeah, well, exactly. And also, yeah. he took two hundred. Sorry, so like five hundred and fifty games to get that. Whereas Henri scored one hundred and seventy-four. You know, 250 for Arsenal, so he had a much better record. I mean, if he had spent his whole career in the Premier League, you would have beaten um, Shearer because he did over his career. He beat Shearer's record. So I went Henri because uh, that was an easy for the noughties. I mean, you know, so I'm not an Arsenal fan at all, but he is one of my favourite all time players. And also when he returned to Arsenal as well and scored was it against Leeds in the FA Cup, that was amazing. Yeah, Leeds there. in the FA Cup. For me, Henri. Against Sunderland it, as well, to say it should it, it should be noted that if we if we, we're talking about noughties, um Shearer retired in two thousand and six, Omri left Arsenal in two thousand and seven. Yeah, but how can we all get really specific talk? on time periods on my choices? But everyone else, <laughs> if we're going to do that, then we should talk about the fact that he won. We should talk about the fact that he won the uh, Champions League with Barcelona. He also won La Liga with Barcelona. He scored. Uh, th- he scored forty nine goals in one hundred and twenty games in Barcelona up to two thousand and ten. So he was still banging in loads of goals. Yeah. Up until, right and his and his French record fifty one goals for France, uh, four gold boots in the Premier League. He was amazing, Henri. And then the guy with, with those fifty one. Did you discount the one against Ireland? 
It wasn't his fault, was it? It was part of the plate for him. It wasn't his, it was Gallas' fault, wasn't it? No, no, it, it Gallas, is his sure. fault. Oh, sorry, yeah, no, of course, yeah, it was his fault, yeah. It is his yeah. fault because uh, if if you're a footballer, you know you're not supposed to use your hands. I'm not buying that it, it sprung off and it was just... Score it, did they? <laughs> In the, in, the inter- in the interest of, of, of cordiality, we can all probably agree that we all hate Gallus anyway, so it's probably his fault. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is true. What a yeah. friendly person. Yeah, right. Um, Gareth, who did you go for? Oh, sorry, yeah. So Henri, I got Henri, and then I paired him with Messi, which is it's not like so I checked when we were talking beforehand. Does it have to be that he retired before 2009? You were like, oh, no, it doesn't matter. So I've gone for Messi, and I've paired him with Henri up front. Remember, on 3 5 2. I think Messi and Henri worked so well together for Barca as well. But also, I know Messi's decade was the, tw- the 2010s, but he wins his first Ballon d'Or. But also that 2009 Champions League final, Messi was amazing. And I think they'd work well together. You have put a lot of thought into this, but I'm not giving you Messi just because <laughs> I don't like him. I'm sick of the sight of him as a Chelsea fan. <laughs> um, who's, got, who's got strikers we haven't talked about yet? Me. Me. Well, I've then. actually got three. Um, I've got Pauletta. I've got Hernan Crespo. And I've got Gabriel Batistia. Oh. Uh, do you know what? My best mate, Charlie, he literally gets a boner every time someone mentions the name Batistuta. He loves a hairy-ass South American centre forward. He gives me nightmares. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know he was partly 90s as well, but he did do a good amount in the early 2000s. And when you said retired by the 90s, uh, 09, I thought, I've got to try and put in three that isn't the Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Messi sort of thing. So, no, James, I mean, you'll, get a, you'll get a free pass because it's not one of my choices. <laughs> what I mean, what I mean, Pauletta, he's part of Portugal's golden generation, as they call it, and he's often overshadowed later by Ronaldo. I think he was the highest international scorer for quite a while, actually. He was 88 caps, 47 goals off the top of my head. I mean, Crespo, well, the Chelsea fans know Crespo. Um, yeah so I, I it was a it was a I was trying to think of three that go under the radar sort of and people forget about so yeah that was my forward three excellent who else has got new ones me go on then. Um, well I, I originally I had a similar to Gareth but then when you just said about um, retiring by 09 I just quickly changed it so I've got uh, I've got Henri even though he's a bit after but then I've got um, Luis Figo uh, obviously a class player um, playing on sort of the, the right of the, of the front three for me uh, Barcelona and then obviously moving to Real Madrid having that uh, pig's head thrown in in that uh, derby at the start of the decade uh, and then I've gone for a bit of a curveball I've um, put in Mia Hamm so a women's footballer into, into my eleven because uh, she revolutionised the women's game in the, in the 90s and 2000s and I remember when I, growing up I hadn't really heard of women's football, but I'd, I'd heard of Mia Hamm and she was someone who was, she, she transcended the game. She was massive and her record of 158 goals in 276 games at international level is, is quite incredible and, and no uh, sort of men's player comes close to that really. So yeah, I've, uh, I've got Mia Hamm in there. That's a, Good choice. Good choice, yeah. I wasn't expecting that. No, I like it. Is there any more strikers on people's list that we haven't yet discussed? Yeah. Go for it. Well, I mean, you, you you talked about how it's they've got to be um, they've got to be sort of away from, from well, but they've got to have retired pre two thousand nine. Am right? Am I right? So, Ruud van Nistelrooy is out for me. He, he's going to be um, he's going to be sort of like confined to the bench. Um, I've gone for a front three 
of Gianfranco Zola because, I mean, how can you not love him? Shit manager, absolutely fantastic <laughs> footballer. Crap football manager, absolutely wank. Um, but, you know, just what a brilliant footballer, you know, just very lovable as a footballer and someone uh, you grew up, you know, just really sort of wanting them uh, to play for your side. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers Marco Negri. Anyone remember Marco Negri? Mm. Marco Negri mm. played for Rangers, scored 33 goals in 30 games in a season. And then there were all sorts of, um, all sorts of sto- uh, stories come out about him that um, he quit Rangers because he thought he had AIDS. Um, so he walked out on Rangers. He thought he had AIDS. Basically, he got a, a, a challenge on his shin and, and, and thought there was blood-to-blood contact and basically was convinced that he had AIDS. And so he quit Rangers. Um, he's actually a championship manager, 0102 legend. He is just an absolute goal machine. And he takes the place of Giovanni Elbert, who was going to go into my lineup. Um, I mean, this skinny little Brazilian, probably overshadowed by the Ronaldos of this world and um, the Sonny Andersons of this world. But he was absolutely fantastic, Giovanni Albert, for buying in the 98-99 campaign. Um, and to be fair, if he had started the final, it, it, they would have battered us completely. We, we, it'd be, you know, there'd be no such thing as a treble because he was a, a fabulous footballer. But the one striker, the one striker that I wish played for my club the one I really desperately wanted despite his uh, fascist tendencies is Paolo Di Canio I would have loved to have seen him in a Manchester United shirt and rumour has it it was close to happening um, apart from the fact that Dwight York uh, refused to go to Middlesbrough and one of the funniest things you'll see in Premier League is I think it's season 0102 the season West Ham went down with James and and Di Canio and Joe Cole etc is uh, is United crawling into the Riverside, Middlesbrough's ground, and um, and Steve McLaren talking to Dwight York, and Fergie just pushing Dwight York into the dressing room, shouting, take him, take him, because no one would have <laughs> Dwight York at that time. Apart um, from Jordan. Apart from Jordan. Well, even then, that's, that's, that's a questionable one. Um, but yeah, if Dwight York had gone to Middlesbrough, then United would have signed Paolo De Canio, and there's a fabulous clip of De Canio saying bye to Upton Park and, and the West Ham fans, but he would have been brilliant in that United forward line. Um, right, okay. So, at the risk of starting basically a massive bun fight, the, uh, there were no rules on manager. You could have anyone from any time, and let's just get Aaron over with because we all know what he's going to say. Do you? I'm guessing. Oh. What you Alina's is Alina has picked Alex Ferguson. Have you? No, no, Ooh, I haven't. On, I, I've picked uh, Brian Howard Clough um, uh, because I don't know. I mean, it was quite weird for for a man in his mid twenties to have an actual sort of affixation on someone who's dead. But I, I did <laughs> from the year 2017 to 2018. I had a full on fixation on Brian Clough. I bought every book. I read everything. I watched every video. I think the man was a pure and utter sort of anomaly in life. His way of thinking, the way he did things, the way he transformed teams, the way he he, he, he talked to people, the way he acted, it was absolutely incredible. And then, I mean, let's be fair, who's going to control that back line of Kenny Burns, Steve Bruce and Kenny Sampson? He'd probably go and write hooker, you know, each one of them before the game, you know? But what a fabulous manager. What an amazing, amazing man. I mean, some of the clips you see of him talking to people in the interviews and him calling out Muhammad Ali, which was 
crazy, absolutely crazy, to him welling up um, on his final interview with Barry Davis on, on BBC. The man, the man was incredible. The man was genuinely incredible. And I love Sir Alex Ferguson. Like, you know, there's a room in my house named after him, the Sir Alex Ferguson suite. But it, the Brian toilet Clough, downstairs toilet. Oh, no, it's, it's the spare bedroom. It's the spare okay. bedroom. <laughs> uh, but Brian Clough gets it for me. He, he, he always gets it for me. Brian Howclough. Anyone else want to step in and talk about Clough? I think my, one of my favourite Clough stories, and I, I didn't pick him, but, you know, he's, he's, he's probably the best candidate. But one of my, you know, I mean, I think Fergie did quite well, but Clough achieved quite a lot with hardly any, without spending that much money and did it consistently for a very short period. But my favourite story, I think, I don't know which World Cup, or which, sorry, which European Cup it was the night before of, but um, you could sense the players were nervous and so he took them down to the hotel bar and stuck like several crates of beer on the table and said, no one's leaving here until all these are drunk. And one player said, I don't like Brian. I don't like beer. I don't like, I don't like beer, Brian. And he said, right, and went over to the bar and brought two bottles of wine and stuck them down. <laughs> Genius. Genius. I like um, his, that Brian Clough quote, which was, um, I wouldn't say I'm the best manager in the world. Sorry, I wouldn't say I'm the best manager in the business, but I'm in the top one. <laughs> yeah. yeah that was like he was doing Mourinho quotes before Mourinho uh, was even around wasn't he um, anyone there, was else? Also, there was also the textbook Rome wasn't built in a day but I wasn't on that particular job yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyone else go for Clough nope oh wow that's odd I thought more people would go for Clough uh, Chris who did you go for then so the obvious choice is Sir Alex Ferguson. It probably would be a real choice, but I want to, I want to try some, find something a bit left of field. So how about the guy that invented Dutch total football? Um, and everyone just thinks it's Johan Cruyff. Mm. It's actually Rinus uh, Michels. Michels, yeah. Um, won four league Dutch titles, uh, Dutch, Super Tuck, Sp- Dutch Super Cup, a Spanish league title, Spanish Cup, and a European Club Cup. Um, he was the man behind the, uh, it's before my time, but you can't deny that the man that's inventing total football is, uh, you know, he's got to be up there as one of the best. Drops Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Drops Mike, walks away, done. I've literally stunned you all into silence, haven't I? I know. <laughs> oh, Renus Michels is a legend. That is a great shout. Mm. I've gone... Um, Gone. So I was thinking of a guy, Bela Gutmann, who is the Hungarian manager of the 40s and 50s uh, and into the 60s as well, sort of basically inspired uh, Brazil to their 58 World Cup by giving them the 4-2-4 formation. Um, but I thought he wouldn't be happy with my 3-5-2. So I was thinking about, well, who can I go for? Who's the expert at the 3-5-2? And then I went for a guy who we all know very well. He's one of the greatest managers of all time. Gone for Chris Coleman. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> can I just say you are the only person here that actually started employing psychoanalysts. Um, if, yeah, if psychoanalysts into you, whether you, they would agree with your formation and whether they would. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Go on, then justify the it. That gave Wales their greatest ever moment. I mean, if you can make a side with Chris Gunter and a free agent Harry Robson Carnu, good. Then. I mean, you know, he's the guy you want managing this side, isn't he? If you give him a, a team of good players, he's going to, uh, you know, win many a World Cup. So I think in uh, Chris Coleman for me, definitely. And also, I mean, Harold Robson Carney's Cruyff term was better than Cruyff itself, wasn't he? So really, Cruyff, uh, Robson Carney should be in there, but he doesn't meet the criteria. So sadly, he can't be in there. But uh, yeah, Chris <laughs> I'll Coleman. T- I'll tell you what, there's a great Chris Coleman story um, I heard from his time at Fulham, where basically he. Um, 
he 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 was married before obviously he married Charlotte from Charlotte Jackson I think it is from Sky Sports News uh when he was when he was first Fulham manager he, he was spending a lot of time at the training ground his wife thought he was having an affair so she took his car his his Range Rover and got it bugged with secret microphones secret cameras etc etc and um basically wanted to sort of spy on him and see what he was up to. It turns out he was actually at the training ground, you know, trying to make sure Fulham stayed in the Premier League. He then took his car in for an MOT and someone said to him, by the way, that's a bloody big tracker you got on there and a big set of microphones. And he found out and he divorced her. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not story. I mean, what, what a guy Cookie is. Okay, Ron Saunders. Um, Billy, not just because he was the Villa manager of the 81 and 82 side, but he managed three different clubs to three successive League Cup finals in a row. Uh, Norwich City, after they got promoted, after he guided them to promotion. Manchester City, and when he left them, Villa, when Villa were a second division side. He won the League Cup with us again as well in, I think it was 77. And he established us as a first division club. Um, he did resign before we won the European Cup, but it was really his side that won that cup. Besides, after Tony Barton took over, and he was just an unsung genius in many ways. He just had a lot of arguments with owners and boards, and you don't really see. Well, you kind of see it with managers these days, but. In the, the the roundabout of firing, as I like to call it nowadays, with managers, but he was just this unsung genius that he could get sides promoted, establish them in the first division, and just go on a rampage. Uh, I'm I'm struggling with that one. If I'm honest, James, I think you've gone with your heart. <laughs> maybe maybe it's bias, but to get like clubs three successive League Cup finals three different clubs and two of them were in the second division or just about to be promoted is impressive. It's a fair shout. I don't think he's going to win. Uh, ben, have you gone with your heart? Uh, I haven't. Ooh, so, I, I mean, I could have gone, I mean, so many Liverpool managers I could have gone for, you know, Shankly, Paisley, Roy Hodgson, but um, I've gone... <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Roy. <laughs> I've gone, um, I've gone left field as well. I've gone for uh, Hungary's manager in the 1950s, the uh, the magical Magyar side, which uh, tragically didn't win the World Cup in 54, but defeated England 6-3 at Wembley. Um, that's Gustav uh, Sebes, because he's an incredible manager. He made an incredible side and he's a very attacking team. And my side is, is pretty attacking, so I feel like he, he'd be a perfect manager to, uh, to see them uh, emerge victorious. I'll, I'll go. Um, I'm, I'm putting a specific timeline on this. Um, I'm going Jose Mourinho, but specifically 2004 to 2007. Before he um, went batshit crazy, you mean? We, we, we know that obviously now he is a 24-carat, multi-vein, purple-headed bellend. <laughs> but between when he, when he arrived at Chelsea there was this sort of slightly sneering arrogance from the punditry and Ferguson and Wenger, you know, oh, well, it takes a bit more than money and a bit of flash chat. Yeah, it did. And we absolutely destroyed the league in the, in, in the first two years he was there. End yeah. of story. 
it, there, there is no question about it. He it's another mic drop moment. It, it, he was the best in the world at that time. Well, also, Johnny, the thing is that he always gets slagged off for the quality of his football. But we played some brilliant stuff then. Yeah, we, we had an impervious defence. We scored a lot of goals and we scored a lot of goals from all over the pitch. Um, so it, it's yeah. what, what he became and what he's become now is, is sort of slightly sad to see. It's, it's literally an old man shouting at pigeons from a park bench. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's at Spurs, so it doesn't really matter. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're all absolutely <laughs> fine with that. Um, but yeah, I think um, just just for that, that the, the, the two years that, that we won the league back to back, he was untouchable. He he really you couldn't get near him. Um, so Champions yeah, league. I'll go for that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, there's managers who won the Champions League who, frankly, Matteo. Yeah, Di Matteo is one. <laughs> he's the not going to go on. <laughs> he's, 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 he's not going to go on to do. Although any, to be honest, I think thing. yeah, all of the team talk at half time was Basinga's eyebrow. But Holmes, who did you go for? <laughs> I, I, well, I thought about going for David Calderhead, who was Chelsea's longest-serving manager from 1907 to 1933. But I thought no one would believe that, so I dismissed him. I do you know what? It's not a bad shout. I mean, he, if you're picking a manager from that era, he was pretty damn good. Well, he was, but I, I then went for Major Frank Buckley, who people probably haven't heard of. But Major Frank Buckley, he was originally a soldier at the turn of the century, and he brought himself out of his army contract and went on to play for Villa, Birmingham, Man U, Man City, mm. Bradford, before the First World War. When the First World War started, he was one of the first to sign up in the football battalion in December 1914. Um, and he rose so spectacularly through the ranks that in um, July 1917, in the fighting in Delville Wood during the Battle of the Somme, he was actually appointed the, the commanding, officer of the, commanding officer of the battalion before he got injured. Um, after the war ended, his health had deteriorated, deteriorated so far that he couldn't play, but he was still quite young. He was mid-30s, I think. And so he, took, so he started turning his hand to management. He started at Norwich, where he gained a reputation for spotting young players and selling them on for quite a, quite a large profit. He then went to Blackpool, where one of his first decisions was to introduce a now famous orange kit to illustrate a vivid playing style. Um, he was so far ahead of its time, it's almost not true. He developed strict regimented fitness regime. He introduced rules on what players could eat and drink well over half a century before such rules became commonplace. He was the first manager, as far as people know, to use physios, and he was able to get injured players back into his team well before other sides could. In 1927, he moved to Wolves, um, during his time at Wolves, he didn't actually win any trophies, but they, they were runners-up in the FA Cup and the league in 1938. And, and his obsession with sort of science took a slightly left turn when he started injecting his players with slices of monkey testicles after a scientist advised him benefits. <laughs> what club was he at when he did that, though? Wolves. There's a great quote I read somewhere about some of the in the tunnel. Some people were looking in Stan Cullis's eyes and they saw the devil. Because Stan Cullis was one of the people who had injected themselves with this um, slice of monkey testicles. But in many ways, as I said, he was the, one of the first modern managers. His training methods and his man management techniques would go on to influence Stan Cullis, Matt Busby, Bill Shankly, arguably some Alex Ferguson and Brian Clough. He also had a really good eye for spotting a player. He discovered Stan Cullis, Billy Wright, Jimmy Mullen, John Charles and Jack Charlton, as well as many others. I like people that. People don't realise this. Felix Magat was his love child because he then took injuries to a next level by wrapping cheese around them. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, maybe if they'd put a slice of monkey bollock with that cheese, it would have speeded the whole thing up even Monkey more. bollock isn't available in south-west London. I'm yeah. just telling you now that if you put monkey bollock with some smelly cheese, Johnny would eat it. I do. You, I do. Honestly, that's, that's tapas from heaven as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah, put a nice tomato as long as it hasn't been kept in a fridge and he'd be on that shit. He'd eat it. <laughs> He wouldn't even need to be drunk. Um, right, guys, let's just quickly go through. So the sub benches, um, basically what we said, because we were trying to make people vary, but actually you did it loads with mm. your teams anyway. So this was where all the players from before the 70s were allowed to go in. Um, and if you picked anyone from the 70s onwards, they couldn't have played in England. So we were trying to get global and we were trying to look at the older guys as well. So start chucking some names at me. Okay, Um my my subsequent many of them have been mentioned already, but I just I just want you to imagine this as as a front two. We've done Set My, we've done Franco Barese, we've done Lotomateus, I picked all of them. Front two, Roberto Baggio and Georgie Hadji just behind him. I think I think that would be quite something to watch. That would be that would be pretty good. So they're my two. Anyone want to say anything? I've only got one. Go on. Carlos Valderrama. I mean, oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got yeah. to have it. Do you know, in 2019, he actually straightened his hair and he looks, he seriously looks like Kid Rock. It's quite amazing. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, who else has got players on their subs bench we haven't talked about? I've, I've got about six. Go on, I've do got quickly, Harry then. Gregg. Harry Gregg oh, for imagine. goalkeeper because I thought people would go for Levy Ashin. So I was doing a um, variation. Duncan Edwards as well, because he really should have had a long career. Stanley Matthews, Pele. Um, I also put Nedved on the bench because he didn't seem to match the criteria for the main team. Can't have Nedved. Uh, I'm not having it. it he should never no. have won the 2002 um, Ballon d'Or. Um, no. Then I also went for Stoikov as well, because I thought a bit of a left field, but also... He was the great Bulgarian. We can't deny that. And then I... Th- where is it? Oh, I've just lost my subspace now. <laughs> Hold on. And... I'll, t- I'll just Google the Valderrama pick while you look for your subspace. He looks like Jennifer Lopez. You know, <laughs> like, you know, I'm look at Maybe we'll have to tweet this for me. And... Oh, God. I think I... I didn't want to put Maradona because I hate Maradona with a passion. Snap. Um... Yeah, yeah, and then I think I put Di, oh Di Stefano on there as well. Just I wanted variation, so. Sorry, I'm currently absolutely fucking speechless looking at a picture of Valderrama with straight hair. <laughs> but if some of you haven't googled it, it's basically Jennifer Lopez with a beard. It it could just be Jennifer <laughs> Lopez with before she's done all her makeup and everything. To be honest. Oh yeah! Wow. We're going to have to tweet this when we put this out so people can see it. Um, wasn't, who, um, <laughs> it's wasn't, wasn't, hang on a sec. Wasn't the Valderrama with straight hair picture proven to be a fake? No, shut up. No. The internet doesn't lie. Can't no. be. <laughs> Take it away from it, us. It can't be true. <laughs> no. Who else has got... Ben and Gareth, I've got a great goalkeeper. Go I've got a great goalkeeper on my bench. I've got, I've got a seven-man bench, but um, Rustu. Uh, Rustu, um, yeah. the Turkish goalkeeper, uh, former Barcelona Fenerbahce. I think it was Fenerbahce. He was a Fenerbahce goalkeeper. But he was the kind of guy, you know, sort of when, when you're playing football at seven, but into Amdram at eight, because he used to wear the war paint sort of makeup mm. under his eyes. I don't even remember it from World Cup yeah. 2002. But an absolutely brilliant goalkeeper. Went to Barcelona and it all sort of fell apart. Um, that's when they tried to play Vitor Bayer. They tried to play Rustu. But 
what an absolutely brilliant goalkeeper. I think he tested positive for COVID as well the other week. So uh, good luck to the guy. Um, I've got some more sort of like regulation names on there. Ja- uh, Javier Zanetti, um, Giovanni Albert, Manuel Rui Costa, who I just thought, what Ooh. a guy. I mean, you know, Ooh. sort of Dimitar Berbatov, sort of stepbrother, he looked like, you know, just a bit of a Dracula looking figure. But he used to just ghost past people in midfield. Uh, uh, and next to him, I'd have Mark Van Bommel, who was just an absolute dickhead. Let's be fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the guy, the guy, his idea of sort of like fair play was was sort of like you know no broken legs before half time. You know, no broken bones before time. Just a bit of blood before half time. That'll do me. You know, um, he's on there. Sonny Anderson is on there. But the crowning glory of my substitute bench is Sami Al Jaber, former Al Hilal and Saudi Arabia striker who played until God knows when because I had a book for World Cup 98 and he was the cover of it. I mean, whenever you'd... I just don't know when you'd get a Saudi Arabian striker as the cover for a World Cup book. Um, I imagine most other players are tied up in rights deals or something, to be honest. (laughs) I don't think Nike is big in like Riyadh, you know, but, you know, he, he was absolutely brilliant. He played in one game um, of the 2002 World Cup. That's when Saudi Arabia were battered 8-0 by Germany. He was then brought out for the rest of the tournament when he burst his appendix, which is unfortunate, and he had to go to hospital. Um, but yeah, what, what a fabulous player he was, Sami Al-Jaber. He actually went on loan to Wolves. I don't think he ever played a game for him, so I'm, I'm going to consider that as he didn't play in England because he never played a game. He just wore the training kit. But he's, okay, he's that's the, like he's the you. Record. You randomly wear the training kit of many exactly, a club when exactly. you box off them when you go to commentate. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Go on, Johnny. I thought uh, he's he's kind of he's the world record caps holder, isn't he, Algebra? He's got like 160, I think. I think it's somewhere like 160. I mean, it's going to be him or someone from like San China, Japan, yeah. San Marino, mm. Gib- like the Cipollina footballing dynasty from Gibraltar. Where you could be like a 60-year-old caretaker at a primary school and still be getting... Yes, the Cipollina brothers. Marino, yeah. Joseph, Roy, they're all they're brilliant. The Cipollina brothers, they're legends. Excellent. Right, who else has got players we haven't talked about? I, I went Bert Troutman and broke his neck and played on. That's what you want from a sub, and that, that sort of commitment to be able to carry on, even though you've got a broken neck. Uh, he also never played for Germany because he was playing in England, and he, obviously the Cold War and everything. He, he didn't get capped for that reason. Um, Cafu, who I loved um, and didn't fit the 80s for a fullback. Um, Cruyff, obviously incredible, uh, and didn't fit the criteria for the midfield. And then Bozic and Pushgas were my two Hungarian shouts who were just in that mighty Magyar side that were amazing. John Charles for a Welshman, best Welshman of all time. And I've got Eusebio as well. I love that because he was picked uh, by Benfica after his manager, he was playing in Africa at the time, his manager went for a haircut in um, a barber's in, in Lisbon and he bumped into Bella Gutman, who was the Benfica manager and he signed him off the back of that and obviously had a phenomenal career as well there. So I, um, I've tried and gone historical in my suspension. I love it's, that you're also like, you can see because he's now screen sharing this with us, he's going to get the electronic pen out in a minute, start doing formations and a team talk. It's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's also potentially the greatest five-a-side team ever. Who else has got subs? I've got quite an eclectic bunch, to be honest. So um, I've got five. I'll go with the first one. I mean, we've, we've talked about some great footballs tonight, but the, my first sub was so good that they had to change the rules to combat his effectiveness. And he's Lee Richmond Ruse, who played for Wales as well as Stoke, Everton, Sunderland, Villa, Arsenal, Huddersfield. And this is going back between 1895 and 1912. 
but the reason that they had to change the, the rules for him, until 1912, goalkeepers could use their hands outside the area if they bounced the ball basketball style up to the halfway line. Most keepers didn't bother to do this because they, they feared they'd lose possession and end up looking stupid. But he did it all the time and he was great at it. This led to frustration at the FA where they believed it gave Sunderland, who he was playing for at the time, an unfair advantage and ruined the game. So they changed the law so that goalkeepers were banned from using their hands outside the area after him. And my other favourite story about him is he was insistent that he was an amateur, but he used to claim expenses for absolutely anything and everything. To the point where around the early 1900s, um, railway companies used to keep a train available to go at any time at mainline stations um, for rich people primarily. But when he was playing for Birmingham, he just hired one on his own and then just travelled all the way up there to Birmingham on his own at a cost of five shillings a mile plus the ordinary fare. <laughs> Sounds like me with them BBC expenses. Mate. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Who else you got eyes? He was actually killed in the First World War and he's commemorated on the, on the Tetvale Memorial. The next one I've got is Billy Wright, who played for Wolves. And the only reason that he's made my subs bench, really, is that um, when um, he used to ensure that ball boys in the opposition, towards the opposition's area, kept lit fags throughout the entire half. So every time there was a corner, he would rush up, have a quick drag on the fag, and then <laughs> go and the ball into the goal. Amazing. The next one is Vivian Woodward. And he's quite an odd one with Chelsea because normally they're quite big about remembering past players. But he was like a really good player. He played for Tottenham, unfortunately, before he played for us. He played as an amateur all the time. But he was such a man of principle that he, he joined the football's battalion as well. And that season, for those that don't know, the, the football season actually carried on during the first year of the First World War. And Chelsea actually got to the, got to the final where they played Sheffield United. Um, but because he hadn't played in any of the qualifying games, even though the army gave him dispensation to pay, he refused to play and let um, let the player Bob Thompson keep his place, who played in the in the final. Um, he then joined. He then got injured during the First World War. But he he was like he was England's top goal scorer until 1958, which we don't hear a sniff about that at Chelsea sort of thing, where they almost remember everyone else. And he also captain captain Great Britain's Olympic gold medal winning football team in the 1908 and 1912 Olympics. Um, the next one is a bit of a personal one, which is Kerry Dixon, who was a, a big favourite of mine when we were growing up. At one point, he was sort of level pegging with Gary Lineker career-wise, and then he got injured, and it took a bit of a downhill turn from there. He was in the uh, England squad in the 86 World Cup, but he ended up injuring himself after he twatted himself in the face with a tennis racket and made himself unavailable for a number of games, which didn't particularly help his cause. And then my final one is Jeff Hurst. He scored a hat-trick in a World Cup final against Germany and England won. I don't think anything else needs to be said. Yeah, I like well that. Said. Yeah, well, well said. said. Um, who else has got subs? Yeah. Lily Parr. Explain. Lily, uh, Lily Parr, she was probably the trailblazer for women's football during, I think, World War One, mm. I believe. And then she had a ridiculously long career as well she's the only female i think that's in the hall of fame of english football at the moment um at the national football museum that was back in 2002 she was honorary put in there she's like just this fantastic player that put women's football on the map in those war years and just after before women's football was initially banned and i think she had a ridiculous long playing career for dick kerr's ladies team as well 
Broke yes, that's the actual well. name. She what? Sorry. Oh, broke a man's arm. Her shot was so hard. She broke a man's arm. Horse. Yeah. Yeah. But also, the, the women's football ban was ridiculous because I don't think it was rescinded until the seventies. Yeah, so yeah, that's the point. Yeah. Let's get right. So, Alina, huh? are you still <laughs> awake? While um, I start up, who's going to make this team? Did anyone look up Zlatan Ibrahimovic quotes to entertain Alina? Yep. With? Okay, right, yeah. so Zlatan is a big beast with a ponytail who's played for loads of people, but he's renowned for being the most quote-worthy footballer there is. So the guys are going to tell you some of the stuff he said, so go for it. I, I got one from Chris, actually. He texted me um, saying, thanks, lots of fun. He said, here's my Zlatan quote. Come to my house if you think I'm gay and bring your sister. <laughs> <laughs> Next. <laughs> I got one. Uh, I got one from his autobiography. Go on then. Um, so I mean, I so I don't know if he wrote this or the ghostwriter did, but um, first I went left and then he did too. Then I went right and he did too. Then I went left again, so he went to buy a hot dog. <laughs> oh, that was um, against Liverpool. Stephen Henshaw's, wasn't it? If I remember yeah. rightly. I like that Great one. Player. Great player. Um, <laughs> the the one I've got: the older I get, the better I get, like red wine. No, I like it's that one the best. That was just his arrogance, Slatton's arrogance. My, my one, he's uh, yeah, my one. I think he's got from from me actually. He says, um, "I can't help but laugh at how perfect perfect I am." So, <laughs> oh, great, great one. He said, "Great one." He said, in "November 2017. Why do it normal? Do it brilliant. We want to be brilliant in everything we do because people remember brilliant." And he's actually very right. He is, that is but true. that's probably the most uh, sensible thing I've ever the heard. First this is the first time I've heard this one, but it's typical Zlatan. What do you mean, present? She got Zlatan. Yeah, that, that is actually my favourite one, yeah. Why do I need to buy my wife a present? She's got a Zlatan. Um, I love it. <laughs> right, just running through this, um, I'm going to put Bonetti in goal because I'm biased and he sadly passed away last week. Um, and for this one for the Chelsea fans. Uh, I like, I really liked Aaron's free at the back deal. Um so I'll give you Kenny Burns and Kenny Sampson, but I'm not giving you Mr. Potato Head. Um, Barese can go in. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll have John Barnes just for the rap. Uh, Cantona. And then Lothar Mateus, uh, Zidane and Vieira in midfield. You're not having, no one's having gigs because he's a tosser. Um, Gareth you love completely. Vieira though. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Because Gareth just sold me. Uh, and and gigs <laughs> knob. Uh, then up front we'll do um, Thierry Henry even though it's slightly outside the rules because of his retirement date and you can have Fat Ronaldo as well um, before he was fat Brian Clough for manager Uh, but I want to get this for a management team can you imagine the bench when it all kicks off with a VAR decision Brian Clough his assistant Jose Mourinho and also having the Dutch guy with the total football um (laughs) And Major Buckley as well for the. Uh, so not only would they be uh, prime for tactics, sorted for injuries um, and forward thinking, but they'd have two batshit crazy managers to kick off when one of those offside VAR I'd, things came in. I'd, I'd, ch- I'd chuck Louis Van Hall in there with the man with the, with the magic sponge, you know, just 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 sort of like. I mean, genuinely, when we had Louis Van Hall as manager, I thought, yeah, you know what, you can't get more fucking nuts than him and then Mourinho came in and and he he looked he looked knackered 
you know, he just looked like he didn't give a fuck. It was brilliant. I've mentioned this on my Chelsea blog. He he actually has like a three-year cycle. So year one, Mourinho comes in, cuddles everybody, uh, buys presents for the ball boys, loves the tea ladies, everyone adores him. Season two wins something and then the meltdown begins and he gets fired in season three. But uh, I was going to have Valderrama on the bench in goal, but then I saw him with his hair straight and it freaked the shit out of me. So, uh, Holmes, you can have your dude as the keeper. Not having Baggio because I'm pretty sure he's responsible for that trend that ended up with Rodney Trotter's clip-on ponytail in Only Fools and Horses. Uh, Stanley Matthews, yes, you can have him. Von Pommel because he sounds like an absolute nutcase. Lily Park can go on the bench because if she can break a bloke's arm that's great um puskas and your saudi arabian guy as well um and i was going to put nedford on there just to wind chris up but i think it might actually break <laughs> him uh, so that's it that is historically in some way shape or form the best football team in world history uh probably no one agrees with that whatsoever but guys thanks so much for coming on this Brilliant. is officially the longest podcast we've ever done but it's been awesome and i hope it's uh filled the sporting void for everybody uh are you all satisfied with the team or are you all spitting blood of course not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can, can someone actually do that in a formation who did the um powerpoint that'll be gareth who did the powerpoint <laughs> that'll be that. screen share yeah. yeah, Gareth, yes. could you do what Alex just said in a team? Because I want to share that to people, <laughs> just to see the fire that erupts on football Discord. I think yes. there's one. I think there's one thing that we can all congratulate ourselves on as well, and that's none of us picked Stephen Gerrard. Woo! Oh no, hang hey. on. No, no, Alina did. Alina did. Yeah. Alina doesn't yeah, care. Alina. No, it doesn't count. If Martin, it's one of Alina's. He thinks Martin Keown's hot. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Judgment is <laughs> clearly flawed. Did she look up Cantona in the end? <laughs> no, I don't think she did. I don't think she's even there anymore. She's possibly just asleep at her desk. Anyway, uh, thanks very much, guys. Next week on Down the Pub, we're going to be discussing the most iconic battle in British history. Um, I'm nominating the Battle of the Bridge, where Tottenham got their asses handed to them by Eden Hazard and the outsiders. <laughs> um, join us tomorrow because uh, I will put my serious head back on and we will talk to Tracy Borman about Thomas Cromwell, about Wolf Hall and about Hilary Mantel's representation of him. We're going to talk about what's right, what's wrong, um, whether it really matters because it's fiction anyway. Um, but anyway, we're going to see where it fits in to people's understanding of Henry VIII's most faithful servant. Uh, and then on Sunday, somehow, somewhere, Gary Bain is jumping up and down on a sofa screaming his head off because Richard Van Emden is here on Sunday. He's going to be talking, uh, amongst other things, about missing uh, the need for closure in the Great War. And because we were raising that subject, we went and got Victoria Wallace, who is the absolutely lovely, adorable, wonderful uh, Director General of Commonwealth Wargraves. And uh, they're both going to talk to us about that. We're going to talk to him about his uh, oral history experiences as well and um, how he got into it and how we, basically how he used to stalk old people in care homes. It's a good listen. Join in. Uh, until then, stay safe. If you possibly can, stay at home. This is Nighthawk signing off. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 